Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? I left my heart in San Francisco. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please, pitch first. Nothing to see here. Please. Turn out the lights. The party's over. They say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 701, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on a sunny, bright day in St. Louis, Missouri. How you guys doing? What was all that? What was, was all Randy that, doing Randy? Randy things. What <laughs> that was. You, you, I think you might be the only excited person in St. Louis because something <laughs> happened last night, Randy. What? 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 Oh, I think you know. I think you know. Yeah, okay. Well, Life happened if, if last you stay night. Up the Phoenix Suns. Happened. The Phoenix Suns had an incredible oh, third quarter. No. Yeah. The yeah. Clippers. The Clippers almost made it close. They there. almost yeah. did. <laughs> not, not a great day for your St. Louis card. Not a great night for your St. Louis card. It was actually. It got off to a, a pretty rugged start. Uh, they allowed the first run of the game in the bottom of the second inning when uh, you had Tyro Estrada stealing second. And Wilson Contreras, the catcher, the Cardinals' $87.5 million catcher, threw the ball into center field. And then the guy that they couldn't pry out of John Mozeliak's cold, dead hands, Dylan Carlson, <laughs> couldn't field the ball. He kicked it around out there. And Estrada, Estrada went to third. And then on that error, error by Dylan Carlson, Estrada scored one nothing in favor of the Giants. And uh, I'm telling you, uh, the the Cardinal way was on full display uh, on that play. That was, uh, that, that was a George Kissel special right there. I don't think that's what that meant. Okay. That, that just felt like Cardinals baseball in April in a nutshell for some reason. Baseball like it ought to be. And it, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Discombobulated for no reason. Yeah, yeah, kind of discombobulated. Uh, so the Cardinals were down by a score of 1-0. Tommy Edmond homered in the third inning to uh, the gold glove winner. Tommy Edmond uh, homered in the, in the third inning to tie the game at one apiece. He's, he's really on a roll. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski with a home run off of Jake Woodford in the fourth. Jake Woodford did have a good performance. Let's give him some credit 2-1 Giants but back 
come your Cardinals just storming away as Tyler O'Neill doubles home that aforementioned Dylan Carlson in the eighth inning, and the score is now tied at 2-2. And then one batter later, Paul Goldschmidt stepped in against the Giants' closer, Camilio Duvall. Shot towards short off the glove of Crawford. One runs in. Here comes O'Neill streaking around third. He will score without a play. And the Cardinals take the lead. Woohoo! Gio Gallegos. Not Gio Gallegos. Gio, yeah, Gio Gallegos with a uh, clean bottom of the eighth. So we go to the bottom of the ninth. Cardinals have a 4 2 lead. Okay, this is going to be great. Ryan Helsley's in there. You got your 100 mile an hour closer in there. And everything's looking great until Jock Peterson. Reaches on an error by the aforementioned Gold Glove winner, Tommy Edmond. He looked great in the field the last couple nights. Stop. <laughs> Mike Yastrzemski doubled, <laughs> so making it a 4 3 game. Tyro Estrada popped out. Crawford, Brandon Crawford, strikes out swinging. The next hitter comes to the plate, and this is not pleasant because what happens is that. The Cardinal pitcher, Ryan Helsley, who has been a great closer in his time. Can we all agree that he's been, in, in his brief time as a closer, he's, he's been really good for the Cardinals, right? <clears throat> yes. Yes, okay, minus so, the hurt finger incident. Uh, exactly. So Blake Sable steps in, and Blake Sable is a guy that had struck out 23 times in 48 at-bats. 23 times in 48 at-bats. Helsley gets him 1-2, okay? 1-2. And you'd think, okay, you're 102 miles an hour, 1-2, this guy swings at everything, 102 out of the zone, okay? That's what the, not what the Cardinals call. Wilson Contreras is down as low as he can possibly get. He wants Helsley to bury a, a slider, a la Bob Gibson back in the day. He wants that slider on the back foot of Blake Sable. Well, it didn't quite get to the back foot. Dwayne Kuyper the call on NBC Bay Area, and the Giants win it by a score of 5-4 to four and a heartbreaking defeat for the Cardinals. Woo! There, a there's a lot. A there's a lot. There, yeah. If you just went to bed maybe a little bit earlier, like in the 8th, then you probably, you're probably fine. Yeah, you probably to, went to sleep, you, you know, too. just all <laughs> sweet dreams, all that kind of stuff, and then you woke up to this this morning. I'm sorry. Also, I thought it was interesting that Sable said in his postgame comments that he basically knew that it was coming. They Mm -hmm. picked up on that. That's what Helsley was going to do. That is mildly troubling. So I noticed when Jack Peterson scored, uh, he came and he told Brandon Crawford something. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that they relayed that message to Sable as well. Generally, when I mean, you're you're giving information to, to your teammates in real time. But also, I, oft, I often feel when I see that, that's them telling him, hey, notice this or pay attention to this. Maybe that a player, a pitcher is tipping his pitches or giving you an indication of what could be coming. And and possibly that's what happened when Sable was sitting on that on that breaking ball. He knew what was coming. He knew it wasn't the fastball, and he was ready to, to launch. And by the way, it was a breaking ball that didn't break. It, it, when, I mean, it's when, it's, right. when it's just sitting there yeah, on a tee, right there. Yeah, it makes a difference. And here's what Sable had to say about how he figured that out. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, I can see during the game and stuff, they were going with a lot of off speed. I think they were scared to throw me the fastball. And, um, you know, he threw a couple sliders, so I got a good look at it. Um, left that one up over the plate, and so I was able to put a good swing there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he's a flamethrower and stuff, so he had to be ready for 100. But, uh, you know, I'm just happy that we got the barrel there and got the win. 
He's a flamethrower. Well, and pitchers have, well, I don't know if pitchers have always said, managers have generally said, I don't know about our manager, but managers have generally said that they want their pitcher to get beat with their best pitch. The, the great pitchers say, I don't want to get beat with anything other than my best pitch. I refuse to believe that a hanging slider is Ryan Helsley's best pitch. I, I would think that 102 out of the zone for a guy that struck out half of his at-bats might be a better pitch selection. And by the way, I'm not letting Contreras and Dusty Blake and Ali Marmal off the hook here. They're the ones that drive that pitching philosophy. So that was going to be my next question because I saw this all over social media. But a lot of people bring up, do you think that Wilson Contreras has to do with a lot of this? Do you think with, What do you think that communication is like with him and the pitcher in those situations? Well, Contreras was number one. My guess would be that, yes, he's. they've got a game plan for everybody. There's a pitching game plan. And Wilson Contreras is following a game plan. But when you see the way, if, if you see the way Contreras, I mean, he is on the ground when that pitch is released. He's expecting that pitch, that slider, to be buried at, at, uh, at Sable's feet. He's not expecting that to be a hanger. They, they wanted that pitch in the dirt, and they figured that Sable would swing at it. And obviously... It, <laughs> it didn't get to the dirt until there was 410 <laughs> feet away. They, they didn't He's specify smoking. the dirt. That, yeah. Is that what right, you're right, saying? Yeah. If you're doing a game plan, you got to specify which dirt can yeah. we, that it's going to land in. Can we discuss the second day in a row where we have an uh, Edmund error at mm-hmm. second base that leads to um, the, the scoring opportunities for yeah. the opposing team for the Giants? I mean, he is a gold glover. We, we understand that I think the ball that was hit yesterday was a little harder. It was a little hotter. It, it, but you still expect a gold glove fielder, even a, a non-gold glove fielder, to fill that one. That didn't feel like a, a ball you should be booting. Um, and for the second day in a row, you have a, a an error that costs you costs you the game mm-hmm. by, by the same person. So I think that's something that, that really needs to take a hard look. He, he's got to... He's got to fix that. I mean, it's you don't want it. It's not you don't ever expect it to be that drastic. But essentially, those two errors in the last couple of days, it cost you four runs uh, yesterday, um, Monday, and it cost you the game winning, eventually the game winning game tying game winning situation uh, last night. So figuring out how to correct that. And I'm not going to nitpick on, oh, Helsley. I mean, he threw a bad pitch, right? Mm -hmm. He, He made a mistake. Tommy made a mistake, but he's made it twice. So I told you all what my coach said. You you repeat a felons, repeat felons get sent to prison in in, in real life and in sports, they get fired. That, mm-hmm. I mean, eventually, if you continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, I don't think that's Tommy Edmonds' case, but eventually he has to correct those issues. To me, it just it looks like you have a, a bunch of guys that are just still pressing. Like you're not seeing that full confidence in a lot of different situations and it feels like that's just becoming a detriment in many different ways, many different facets of the games. We keep talking about fundamentals. Mm-hmm. That's that's fundamentals right there. What you just saw, that I mean that's like baseball 101 is what that felt like and it looked really goofy for the Cardinals not to be able to execute that and it wasn't just Tommy. I mean, there was a lot of guys that were involved in that that weren't able to just execute just some simple fundamentals fundamentals of the game and to Tommy's credit he did have a good response with that home run afterwards and I thought this was interesting with four home runs this season Tommy Edmond has twice as many home runs than Goldschmidt and Arnauto and O'Neill and Contreras well, and Burleson and Walker yeah, and, and Donovan and Newbar. and you would hope that he finds a way to get on base and steal bases and be a guy that sets the table for those guys but if he decided now that he wants to be a home run hitter, 
and uh, more more power to him. And by the way, he's on base is 360. That's more than acceptable. But what I see is a decaying of the fundamentals yes. of the ball club. It's it's not just Tommy Edmond. It was the Dylan Carlson play. That's baseball 101. That's that as Chip Carey said on the call. That can't happen. And this is a, a team that two years ago didn't make these mistakes. They were the best offensive team in baseball two years ago. What's the difference? Manager. Uh, the manager that had the George Kissel leather booklet that went through every single fundamental that the greatest fundamental teacher in the history of the game taught. And I don't know if it is a product of a different manager, but I can see on the field that fundamentally this club isn't close to what the club two years ago was, which, which was, by the way, the best offensive and metrically the best base running team in baseball. And I understand that maybe you get in a new manager, you get in new philosophies, that things change, right? But with the rule changes, rules changes that we knew going into the season, why not take advantage of it in a lot of different ways? And that kind of goes back to mm-hmm. some of the fundamentals. And that's the Cardinals, unfortunately, being reactionary here rather than proactive. And I asked John Mozeliak last year at the end of season press conference, how do you think your thought process in building a team and implementing uh, the the thought of uh, and the philosophy of this team will change with the rules changes. And he said, we, we won't change anything. We'll wait and see what happens with the rules changes. Well, the teams that have made changes because of the rules changes are generally succeeding. Yes. So I, I can I can sort of see your, your angle in terms of the manager. But at the end of the day, you got a two-run lead in the bottom of the ninth. Your start, your 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 Gold Glove shortstop now playing second base is boots a ball. Your closer, who you think is going to be lights out every time he gets up there, throws a hanging hanging breaking ball over the middle of the plate, and it gets sent into outer space. Those are on the players. At, at some point, as a player, you have to take onus of your play and how poorly or how well you're playing. If you're making mistakes. I can't look to the now a manager, a good coach, a good manager will always say that's on me. I got to make sure we do this, do that, do this better. But at the end of the day, you are being paid to do your job better than the person across from you. And if you're unable to do that, then you got to figure some things out. I I don't disagree that ultimately it comes down to the player. But then why do we pay managers and coaches? We pay them for practice. We, we pay them we pay to, him, we to pay maximize him. the talents of any job. John Kioski in that corner, Tommy uh, Mattern in that corner. You pay managers to maximize the talents of the employees. Correct. But for for and for sports, that is practice. That is the implication of all of the things that we're going to do. It's everything we need to work on to be the best versions of ourselves. Now, when you get out there. It's on you to deliver as an athlete, as a as a professional. It's your job to deliver all of the things that you were taught, all of the things you were coached up on. We had a meeting with Tommy the other day. He gave us points, bullet points. If we don't come in here and 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 follow through, then we're not following the implications, the things that he's coaching us up to be better at. So and, that's on us. And here's if my we point. don't do that. When Mike Schultz was his manager, Tommy Edmond was a Gold Glover. He's not performing like a Gold Glover now. Well. There's a reason that people like Joe Torre and Whitey Herzog and Bobby Cox and Tony LaRusso are in the Hall of Fame because they were great at implementing a philosophy that included solid baseball fundamentals. If it's not solid baseball fundamentals, it's a hard game, but the the fundamentals should not be difficult.
So real quick, and I know that we got to wrap, but as a coach, I just have this question for you is, don't you think you're the one that carries the philosophy of the team that Mm -hmm. is going to be executed by the players, right? If the philosophy is not being bought in by those players, are you looking at yourself as uh, maybe I'm not sending the message correctly or there what I'm doing is not working correctly? You're looking at both. I think you can say the same thing with what the Blues went through. I think Craig Berube felt so confident in what he was saying and guys just were not doing it. And when you saw them do it, you could see the success that they had. I think, you know, I don't know if I couldn't tell you what Ali is teaching, what their trainings, what their sessions are like, but if I'm a coach and I'm implementing things for you to do and you're not doing them to uh, effectively, then we either got to figure out we got to figure out another route or we got to find another guy. And that's really all it boils down to. You get enough time to do your job. And if you don't do it, I told you my co- coaches tolerate you till you till we can replace you. And that's everyone. Yep. If we can find somebody better than you. We will. And as they tear this down, I do think that there's a chance <laughs> oh that they could get a lot for Tommy Edmund. Oh, Randy, we, we not, we're not there yet. No, we're, we're, we're Pitts- not. Look at Pittsburgh and Baltimore. <laughs> you go fifth, fifth, fourth, fifth, fifth for five years. And then all of a sudden you can have enough good players so that you can be in first place place at the end of April. Coming up next, next, Stan McNeil of Cardinals Magazine on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Obviously, if there was just one thing, we would go out and address it or fix it. But I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And, you know, clearly we're not where we want to be. You know, we know there's some things we've got to address. We've got to clean some things up. But I assure you, we're working hard to do it. That's John Mosellock, the Cardinals Pobo, last night with Jim Hayes on the Valley Sports pregame. And we head to the celebrity line now. And our friend Stan McNeil from Cardinal Magazine joins us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Stan. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. You must not have stayed up for the end of the game if you're so great. (laughs) (laughs) I was there. I watched it. I watched it. Yeah. I was uh, just like uh, like Al. I watched the post-game show, too, and uh, thought that uh, that was not a good uh, pitch selection there, that that last pitch. I think when you throw 100 and you've been fed a steady diet of uh, breaking balls, maybe you go with the fastball there. Stan, what do you make of Tommy Edmonds' errors the, the past couple of days? It's cost the Cardinals runs uh, and, and essentially cost them the game. What do you think is happening there, and, and what do you think needs to happen? You know, I'm going to take a, a probably cop out, but that's that's a gold glove second baseman there, and those plays are, are going to happen, you know, over the course of a season. Uh, I think – and Tommy is not a kind of guy who – usually lets one mistake lead into another, you know, I mean, he can, he starts fresh. He he doesn't carry anything over like that, but you wonder the way the team is going now, they're probably all kind of uh, feeling a little, little bit of pressure and maybe that is uh, leading to some mistakes, but, uh, but no, Tommy Edmund is, is fine. I'll have him in, in my infield any day. Well, we, we've been kind of talking about that this morning where it seems like the guys are pressing and it also seems like there's been kind of a philosophy shift when it comes to fundamentals and what we kind of know is the Cardinals way. Are you seeing a change with that early on? You would think, too, with the new rules changes that the Cardinals would really take advantage of that, especially with their history. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of the, the rules changes, uh, you would think 
this is a team that stole a lot of bases last year, you know, compared to the rest of the league. <clears throat> we haven't really seen that this year, but uh, on the last home, homestand, Ollie was talking about how it just hasn't been, uh, you know, they just haven't had the lead or been in, in that situation to, to steal bases. So I, I still hope hope we see see that. And, uh, you know, the to me, the biggest rule change has just been the, the, the time of the games, the way they've sped up the, you know, the pitch clock the hitter's clock, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, that to me has been the biggest change, but it really hasn't changed the game, if that, if that makes sense. You know, it doesn't seem like we, we've missed anything. Stan, with the, the way that the Cardinals have been losing, is there any fear that, that it will become, oh, shoot, here we go again when bad things happen? You know, the, the more you lose, the more you feel like you're going to lose, and conversely, the more you win, you more, the more you feel like you're going to win. Do you feel like this team can is getting to a point where they're starting to feel like bad things will happen and they will lose games? You know, it, that's hard to say, but it, it's certainly possible, you know, and it, but you just have to think over the course of 162, all that stuff kind of evens out, but, uh, but no, I mean, just uh, I think about uh, some of the games recently, just the fine line between winning and losing you know I go back to to Matz's last Stephen Matz's last start he's uh pitching in the sixth inning he gets uh you know he's got strike three that's called a ball and that flips flips his start flips ends up flipping the flips the whole game really in my opinion and you think like that's called a strike <laughs> you know we've, we're having a different conversation today and it seems like you're you can point to something like that in every game that. You know, last year probably those weren't all going against the Cardinals, but right now it feels like they are. Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine with us on 101 ESPN. A couple more things, Stan. Number one, you spent most of your adult life being around baseball clubhouses. And one of the things that always struck me, and it's when you walk into a clubhouse, when you walk into the Cardinal clubhouse today, as devastating as that loss was last night, the players are way better at it than putting those lo- at putting those losses behind them than we as fans are, aren't they? Oh, they have to be, Randy. You know, you know that. I mean, they 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 show up every day. It's their job. I mean, you know, uh, Goldie. I think has to me a really good outlook on it. You know, we were talking about in spring training about winning the World Series, and you know how much we want to win. They want to win the World Series, but Goldie's like, you know, all you can do is go out there and and work hard, follow the process, and what happens happens. You know, of course you want to, but that doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen because there's 29 other teams that want it as well. Meanwhile, in the latest issue of Cardinals Magazine, you've got Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt on the cover. I know you have a new one coming out soon. What do we have coming up on in the Cardinals Magazine? You know, we're still uh, we're still formulating our plans for the, the upcoming issue. We, you know, one thing we will have in there is uh, we're looking back uh, 10 years after the 2013 pennant-winning team, and uh, we're catching up with Seth Manus. Double play guy. Remember Seth? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a grad assistant at Florida State these days. Uh, we had a good, good, good conversation with Seth. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to look back on that season, which uh, was really a remarkable season. And you think it's, it's already been 10 years. That is amazing. And 10 years since the Cardinals' last World Series. Obviously, we went a pretty long time. We went 87 to 04 as, uh, from when, when I was covering the team. We went a pretty long time without being in a World Series. But for Cardinal fans who have that expectation of being there on a regular basis, 10 years is kind of like a lifetime. Hey, man, we're spoiled, you know. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Stan McNeil, always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for the time. And if people want to get the Cardinal magazine, how do they get it? 
best way is to go to the, the website, cardinals.com slash magazine. We've got a, a good special going right now with uh, a free T-shirt with a subscription. So, uh, yeah, cardinals.com slash magazine. All right. Stan, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. See you later. Sam McNeil, Cardinals Magazine, with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. We've got Ask Uncle Randy. It's Wednesday on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. I get a sense that there might be a little disquietude here in uh, the St. Louis metro area this morning. A little dismay on the part of uh, the the folks that are tuned into the opening drive. And that's what we're here for. We're here to ease your mind. We are here to try to control the angst, try to assuage your fears. So if you have a text and you just need Uncle Randy to weigh in, if you need a little advice from Uncle Randy, that's what I'm here for, along with Cousin Carrie and and Cousin Brooke. So uh, just weigh in. The, The text line is open for you. Let's take deep breaths. Let's smell the flowers and blow out the candles. Okay, everybody, one, two, three. Okay, doesn't that make you feel better? Uh, all right, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? I'm pretty sure I saw a piece of the sky fall this morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right down, well, I was driving down 270, and it, it, it rattled downwards. This is the, the this is the distress of which we speak. Fair enough. Randy, we talked about this before the show, but we have Uncle Randy. What do you think about Wayno responding to Katie Wu's tweet? This is a reference, of course, to Katie Wu tweeting out Wayno struggling a little bit, kind of fighting mm-hmm. through the first inning in his rehab start yesterday. He then jumped on Twitter and, and responded to all the people in her mentions saying, you know, I'm going to prove you all wrong. That's all I can do now. Adam Wainwright, 
is not unlike Tom Brady with that chip on his shoulder for being the 199th pick in the draft. Not unlike Michael Jordan trying to find a chip. And Adam has told us he, he looks for a chip to put on his shoulder. And there were tons of them on social media. I have no problem with Adam Wainwright, who, by the way, has called into national shows when he was taken in the 12th round of a fantasy draft. And said, <laughs> he called in and said, I'll show you. And then did. So I have no problem with an athlete, especially that athlete, trying to find a chip on his shoulder to motivate himself to be even better than he would ordinarily be. I love it too because if you if you need just anything to motivate you or fire you up, social media is a pretty good place to get mm-hmm. some hate comments. It's funny because Tony Robbins, a motivational speaker, I read that he did that as well. He'll like actually print out people's hate messages or he'll, you know, write them down anything like that and while he's working out he'll look at them and he uses that as like his motivation to push him through it might be slightly crazy but if it pushes you to work harder then hey why not more to- power to yeah, you tony robbins is a loser he's never going anywhere <laughs> again jordan jordan made things up that people said to him he yeah exactly out of you don't need much no. um Rand- uncle randy how do you tell someone that you've been with for over a year and a half that you want to break it up I just don't feel like this relationship with Holly is working for the long term. Oh. With Holly? Wait, what's the name? Holly. Oh, yeah. I thought you said Holly. Uh, <laughs> Holly. I think that if you are the significant other in that relationship and you don't think it's working, it's very, very, very simple. You just go to him and say, I'm very sorry. I think that we've had a great relationship. I like you. I'll never say anything bad about you. We simply have philosophical yeah. differences. Love that. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, <laughs> like, there's only one way this can go. Um, what would Uncle Randy do if he was the GM of the Cardinals? Uh, what no, I would do? No, oh, okay, no. Okay, okay, okay. I, I'm going to be real. Okay. CD. All right. I just I got no. a little worried no. there. It, it, Shock and awe. If I'm tear it down. If I'm Mo or I'm if I'm Mo, I'm going to go into the clubhouse at Oracle Park today before the game. And I'm going to call a little meeting and say, guys, don't read social media. Don't listen to sports talk radio. We play six months, and this is part of a season. If we go 9 and 13 in July, nobody says a word. But because it's at the beginning of the season, people are up in arms in St. Louis. But every single team, guys, is going to win 50 or win 60, and they're going to lose 60. It's what you do with the other 40 that matter. So let's just move forward and keep playing a baseball season. I never understood why professional athletes would read social mm-hmm. media or listen to talk radio. It, turn on some music, man, and get to where you're going and, and go about your day. That I, I just, I never felt the need to listen to it. it, it in my opinion, what the hell do they know? Right. You know, it, you don't. So, if you're a professional athlete, if you're in management, if you are a part of a cl- ball club. Your your job is on the field, taking care of your business and what other people have to say. You can use it as motivation if you need to, but you know, I I, I would just take care of my business and, and do what I need yeah. to do. Uh, let's go off baseball. This this is a fantastic one, Uncle Randy. My mother in law refers to our newborn as quote unquote her baby, and it bugs the hell out of me. How do I politely ask her to stop? Don't ask her to stop. Aww. That is her baby. That is her her grandbaby. <laughs> that is her pride and joy. Aww. She loves having that baby at her house. And no, you, that is not something. That is not something that you do. Uh, with a mother-in-law that that can only harm the relationship and you're making much ado about very very little respectfully 
Because I, I, I have learned with my own mother, whom I love to mm-hmm. death. Sometimes grandparents don't really know boundaries at times, and they can step over said boundary. And so it's cute now, right? Mm-hmm. But when the child is six, seven, eight, and you're telling the child, hey, it's time to go to bed. Oh, you don't have to go to That's bed. That's different. That's not a baby anymore. So, okay, so we're, we're talking, so as long as the, the, the texter understands, this is still in infancy. Right. When, when oh, we get past, it's my baby, yes. I want to hold my baby. When we get past yeah. that point where the child understands mm-hmm. and can communicate, then we have to set boundaries. Absolutely, yes. And I know that the, one of the, the tenets of grandparency, is that grandparenting? Is that, yeah, the greatest thing about it is that you have them, you feed them up with sugar, and then and you, you give send them back. back. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, but that, don't do that with a seven year old, especially on a school no, night. Please, <laughs> for all things right, don't do that. Joe uh, Randy, what do you get your wife for Mother's Day if she does not want jewelry, flowers, or candy? That kind of. Uh, that kind of renders me useless. Does she have a hobby? <laughs> Render me useless. Buy her something related oh to the hobby. Yeah. There. Like, does she have a hobby? <laughs> Buy her something related to the hobby. Uh, okay, thank you. I don't you. think you can go wrong. Randy, am I, am what, I, am I what wrong? is your wife's you, hobby? I don't think you can go wrong with that. Well, then that's, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, she has everything. <laughs> what else could she it's, need? It's got to be flowers. <laughs> I just got a text. Oh no! Mm. From my mother. Oh, oh no! Said, Grandmother is listening. Oh no! <laughs> Love you, mom. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, to to get back to the question, find out what she wants. That's the play. Is get her something that she desires for Mother's Day. You, you, it doesn't have to be a surprise every time, and it it's a great gift giving holiday. And by the way, make sure that she has an absolutely delicious brunch, whether you take her out or you make it uh, if you want with if you have even if you don't have kids, make her breakfast in bed. Make it her day, though. Make it very special. Dear Uncle Randy, I can't stand my job. I feel like I've gotten all I can out of it. And frankly, I can't do the nine to five desk job anymore. Please advise. Okay, one thing I've learned in this world is if you have a job that you don't like that makes you miserable, then it's ruining your life. So what you need to do is find out whatever your passion might be and go on Indeed.com or LinkedIn or whatever and try to start the process, and don't leave your job right now, but start the process of finding a job that you like better. And maybe that will entail a career change, but I know people that didn't like the place they worked and started the process <laughs> of trying to find another job. Finding and, their way out. And, they're, and they're, they're, they've become very happy. So I think the big thing with life is don't allow yourself to be unhappy because life's too short to be unhappy. That's Qu- great advice, Randy. That's quality very great of advice. Life, Thanks, quality bro. of life matters. Like, you don't want to be in a place where you're miserable, no. right? You want to be in a place where you come in every morning and have smiles on your faces, huh. and you get to be around a group of people that are just genuine and show love, and you give love, and it's just, it's all reciprocated. It, it, it's no 
angst or anger or fear or just dread driving into work and staying up late nights, you know, working two or three jobs, but only getting paid for one, Mm -hmm. right? Just just be in a good place. And Carrie, for me, never a professional athlete, obviously, before I got here, the job where I made the most money was the place where I was the most unhappy. Hmm. Huh? Money does not buy happiness. It it does not. No. It does buy Mother's Day gifts, though. It does. <laughs> it buys a lot of things. Good point. It makes other people happy. Yes. Oh, yeah. It does. <laughs> Let's get one last one here. Diogo Randy, my fiance has game-used sticks from Alex Petrangelo in the 2019 playoffs and a couple of other players as well. They were being stored at my parents' house while we moved into our apartment, and I don't have the heart to tell her that they broke unexpectedly when my parents were remodeling. Oh, no. What should I do? Oh, like how broken? Like where? That's you- my like. Like, do you still have like the like the the blade and like a major like Whoa. enough? Yeah. Of, like, like here's here's the argument. They shouldn't break. This is the, the, something happened. Uh, a hockey stick that you have true. That's true. Yeah. should Good not point. break. Point. You had to try to break it. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. Shin or like some of the other yeah. guys when they're smashing yeah. their yeah. stick? Yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. takes a minute. So, <laughs> um, I, you just got to be honest. You got to say, sorry, they were at my parents' house. I have no idea what happened, but they broke. Uh, a full stick wouldn't have fit in our 2019 Stanley Cup shadow box we were going to put up. There's your argument. Oh. Like, like we so just we had, 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 had yeah, we were just going to have a blade in part of the stick anyway. So I just kind of got ahead of the remodeling. I don't. Okay. Oh, that, I think that's the weirdest way to display <laughs> yeah. it. People would be like, um, broke it. Well, you could maybe you make fit, up you know? a story. You make up a story around it, go. right? Yep. For people, like that's a good idea. Yeah. You just say, wow, <laughs> Petrangelo broke this after he left now, St. Louis. How about, I don't how about <laughs> Petrangelo broke this in the party in the dressing yes. room after the Blues won the Stanley Cup. This is the stick that he scored the second goal of the game with in the final seconds of the first period. There you go. Yeah. I this like how that. how people end up on the, at the pawn shop shows. Like, my uncle gave me this. He said it was used, game used in game seven, and then they find out it's complete fake. This is how yeah. these things happen, Randy. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie The Accountant? See, this is what you, what you want to do. It's Ben Affleck. It's a great movie. And he has a painting, and... Uh, Who's the uh, the Pitch Perfect? She was uh, the, the actress from Pitch Perfect. Little tiny. She does a lot oh, of commercials. Oh my God! What is her name? Uh, she also did um, Up in the Air with George Clooney. Uh, okay, I come on so, now. Okay, Let's I'm, go, I'm kids. We, she also sings. She does the Cup song, right? Um, um, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Oh, Anna yeah, Kendrick. Yeah. There you go. So anyway, uh, Ben Affleck, Anna Kendrick in this movie, and at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, because it's been out for about a decade, but he sends her a painting of dogs playing cards, and then she notices that there's a little rip, so she rips away the dogs playing cards picture, and there's an expensive Monet or something like that. So uh, that's what you can find at garage sales. That's my point. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Hopefully, we've we've eased some of your angst this morning here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, And coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line again, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! It's Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it.
you and we need your text 314-399-9646 Yo-ho! Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN and guys uh, at the moment, Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend is a young woman by the name of Mallory Edens, but we know that he's dated, been engaged to Shailene Woodley. He has uh, dated Danica Patrick. He dated a witch. He dated Olivia Munn. <laughs> oh. I like how you sandwich uh, that uh, in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> somebody na- by the name of Je- Jessica Zor. Take it or leave it. Aaron Rodgers' next girlfriend is Zach Wilson's mom. Oh, Stop. my goodness. You, you are that just stirring be, that pot this that morning, huh? That would be really... I'm going to take it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I wish everyone could see Randy's face. The, the joy that he brought him just looking at us as he stirs the pot. <laughs> we were uh, taking a breath. I'm... I, I, I'm gonna have to leave that one. No way. Right, no way. It. Why not? Is she single? His was that Wilson's mother. No, she can mother? make herself single in a blink for oh, him. Okay. All right. No, she's there in Utah. That's true. <laughs> Anything, That's does true. that mean anything goes? <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know if it only. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were about to say something, and you're like, oh. <laughs> I had, um, to, had to think about that one. Yeah, well, I had to think about not saying it either. <laughs> so, uh, hold on, let me... The witch's name, by the way... It was uh, a blue... Yeah, blue. Blue Indie, something like yeah, that. Yeah, So, not blue Ivy, but blue Indie, yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, but uh, she denies, by the way, she did deny that she was a witch, but I refuse to believe that she's not. Uh, but she, blue <laughs> that sounds of like Earth. something a witch would say. Yeah. Blue, blue of Earth? Blue of Earth. She says, my name is Blue, not Blue of Earth, but everybody calls her uh, Blue of Earth. So Blue of Earth was also one of Aaron Rodgers' significant <laughs> others. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Uh, Randy, <laughs> we were... We, <laughs> Jack Wilson's mom. I love that one. We were talking about kids who were left unattended and just kind of rummaging and breaking things. Take it or leave it. Parents should be held accountable for, for all of their children's actions. When, when they're not, well, I was at a baseball game last night and there were a couple of kids, just innocent, right? They're having fun. They're throwing a, a, a tennis ball back and forth. One kid either doesn't throw well or the other kid doesn't catch well. And the ball continues to come in the fan section where we are. And one kid throws the ball, guy's coming out of the bathroom, hits him, boom, right below the belt. Uh, it, where are your parents? Take it or leave it. We should get your parents out here and just yell shame, shame, shame. I'll take that. Yeah, come on. You, your kids, you are have, not, they're not ready. expected to be responsible. You have to make them responsible. I'm not exaggerating. This was 20 minutes. Oh. That's Their parents bad. were nowhere to be found. Yeah, like so. they're just throwing the ball, and the one kid is chasing it, and then he hit me with the ball, hit my fiance with the ball, bop, bop, just the. Uh, it's accidental. He's a child. He's not right. It's not intentional. But, but the baseball game should parents? not be utilized as a babysitter. No, where are and, your parents? Yeah. So then I, I had to tell him, "Hey, you all take that shame, down shame, there. Shame, yeah. shame, shame. Agree with shame you. them. Yeah. Shame this that. man and woman." I, I, yeah, I don't get that. You should. I, there's nothing worse than. And look, I'm not a parent, so I know I can't exactly fully speak on this. But I just know that when I was a child, my parents would be very upset if I caused any public issues whatsoever. 
And your dad, military, right? Yes. So you, uh, you things were structured. Exactly. Things were very strict. Yeah. There was cleaning chores, all that different kind of stuff. I hated it when I was younger, but then I feel I feel like we probably all experienced this yes. as an adult. You move in with somebody else in college, <sighs> and you could tell there was a vast difference oh. from the ones where their parents did <laughs> things for them, and where you were actually taught to be self sufficient, exactly. and then you appreciate it, right? The, the right. upbringing of your your friends and roommates and significant others, you learn a lot about people. <laughs> Yes. And how yes. they were raised. You're like, oh, you didn't, you didn't learn that, huh? Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, take it or leave it. Kind of expanding off that because we had that texter text back in about the hockey sticks. And I think this is a very important update. He texted back in. The reason they broke, and this is with the hockey sticks earlier that were signed by Alex Petrangelo, was that her future father-in-law allowed the little cousins to play with them at a party that we were not at and out of town for. Take it or leave it. The little cousins shouldn't have been playing with the hockey sticks that are signed by Alex Petrangelo. 100% take it. They they were supposed to be in storage, I believe. <sighs> yeah, that is... Kind of plays off what you were yeah. talking about, Carrie. Inexcusable. <laughs> Pay attention to what your kids are doing, man. Yeah. And if you if your kid breaks something, you should fix it. Pay for it. And, and apologize. Yep. Hey, Petro's got a house here now. He'll be here during the summer after his team wins the Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh, Oh, Matthew, what do you got on the next line? Just send your kids to college knowing how to do laundry. The amount of kids I had. The amount of my friends that I had to literally teach how to do laundry freshman, sophomore, and even junior year of college. I have no idea. How? How? I was in college 20 years ago, but the dorm rooms, I would see kids in panic on the payphone calling their parents crying. I don't know how to use this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, bro, this is ridiculous. Payphone reference kind of aged up. I, I told you, 20 years ago. I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Yachty doesn't call four consecutive sliders to a guy hitting 330 versus off speed while only hitting 150 versus fastballs. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll take that. Is that on Contreras? Or take it or leave it. Brian Helsley's uh, fastball button on the pitch comm is broken. Yeah. <sighs> there is oh. a pitcher's meeting before every single game going over every, and the catcher's in that meeting, going over every single hitter. So it is incumbent upon, especially when a guy struck out as much as he had struck out last night, Sable had struck out, it's incumbent upon the pitching coach to tell everybody in that meeting, look, you get two strikes on this guy, he's going to swing. Don't give him anything in the zone. And unfortunately, that slider wasn't supposed to be where it was. But again, if you throw 102, six inches off the plate, he's going to chase it and strike out and end the game. Take it away, leave it. Will Levis ends up going number one overall. Take it. Oh, no. Oh no way. I don't, I'm I, not I, buying into that. Happy. That means the Titans won't draft him. I know. Him. Well, I, I hope they won't anyways, because he shouldn't. I don't even I, consider I'll him one take of the... It. You, uh, are you guys buying into this? Well, I'm Caesar saying you never... These guys... Brooke, you would be surprised. It, it, you would assume that these are intelligent hardworking people that that do a lot of research and then they see a guy in shorts and a t-shirt and they just go mad i mean it's it's absolutely amazing what shorts and t-shirts do to these guys when they when they see them work out you know you watch all the film but something about that short and t-shirts in indiana it, it, it just, it, it's mind-blowing like, for some a, of these people that that's, is a quarterback right there yes I, I can see this right now i, I think the statute of limitations has passed but I was sitting in this chair. Billy Devaney, Rams general manager, had his back against that door. He was getting ready to leave. And he said to me, and I think DeMarco was here, 
We're really upset that Jake Locker isn't coming out this year because I think he's going to be the next John Elway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to exactly what you just said. Right? Uh, yeah. Shorts and t-shirts, man. Is this? Yep. Oh, hey, how'd you like Jake Locker? Yeah, Titans fan, how'd you like Jake Locker? Did he be like John Elway? Nope, I can tell you you right now, it was nowhere near that. It was uh, (laughs) disastrous. It it bothers me because you can see, it's like, oh yeah, West Coast quarterback, you know, he's got a good arm, he can run run out of the pocket a little bit. It's just like so surface level, I'm sure why they were like, yeah, it looks like John Elway. Good Lord. Ever since Steve McNair, the Titans have lost their knack for finding a good quarterback. Yeah. Like it's just, and it's been. A, and it's been a lot of quarterbacks too. Uh, yes. Brian Tannehill had a, had a really. Had, he, Brian Tannehill had a decent he was year a, and a half. He was a game manager. He's not a quarterback. He had a but year he, and a half of decent football. He led the league in passer rating his first year as a starter. Yeah. And he uh, he took. He was, they were the first seed. But you think, they? But they, yeah. they lost to Joe Burrow. Right. Uh, you look at Young, and Locker, and Mariota, and now Malik Willis. Didn't they spend another premium pick besides those guys on, uh, I, and then obviously gave up capital to get Tannehill? Uh, they spent a lot of capital on quarterbacks and haven't been able to nail it yet. And then you had Vince Young yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, Vince. yeah, yeah. You want to give us one more here, Kerry Collins? Kerry once Kerry Collins won ten in a row. They beat us, and oh. then they lost to the Ravens with yeah. Kerry Collins. Yeah, they went thirteen and three that year. Boy, was Jeff um, Fisher proud of that? There you go. They <laughs> lost uh, in the playoffs to Boston. Yeah, we went ten in a row. Yeah, how'd you do in the playoffs, buddy? <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Cardinals end up having a worse winning percentage than the Blues ended the season. I'm so going to take it. Blues winning yeah, percentage I'm was 494. I'm taking oh, it. That would, right be, you that t- would be 80 wins. <laughs> that would be 80 oh, they're gonna get wins for the 80 Cardinals. 80 wins? It'd be, yeah, it'd be 80 wins for the Cardinals. 80 and 83? Wow, I can't do math. 80 and right 82? Uh, I think 375 is about where they are. That's where it, they're not going to finish there. 75? 375. 375. Sorry. That's their, their, their... The winning percentage? Yeah. Don't you think? He's... he That's 61 wins. He's Rock. just, he's, he's just he's, trying to... That's where they are right now. They're yanking your chain. You want the first round pick or not? The first pick in the draft or not? <laughs> uh, is it... So how many wins <laughs> will they it, have? Keep, is it keep swimming, Rocky. Keep swimming. Don't take the bait. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Brady Aiken or Mark Appel, one of those two stars. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's win some games. How many, how many games do they win already? Um, it's not a holiday. Can I? It's not a holiday or McGuire. You want me to be real? Yeah, they're going to win ninety-three games. Ninety-three in the playoffs. Okay, everybody knows it. Every, well, right. I, I'm going to not going to say everybody knows it. Wait, everybody wait, that's wait. paid attention to baseball. Ninety-three. Can you write that down? Can we? What happened to? Didn't we have a board? What yeah, happened to our get board? rid of that. But we we need a board down. so yeah. we can write down. So you said ninety. You said ninety-three. Yeah, ninety-three wins. They have to win eighty-two more. Okay, hold on a second. I got to figure. We out need what to. This. We need a board in here so we can write down our. Uh, so we can save it, and and come back to it later. Yeah. To see who was right and who was wrong, and how bad. Ninety-three wins is not hard. This is, yeah, they're going to win ninety-three games. They, they, have, they, they have to they, go eighty-two they, and fifty-four. The rest of the season, so that'd be the plus. That'd be plus thirty-two in 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 the rest you, of the season. You got to start winning at some point, right? Yeah, conceivably, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy, and thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them coming up. Cardinals seemed to make it easy last night on the Giants. How did Ryan Helsley wind up with the pitch selection that he wound up with? That's coming your way on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred and one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. You know, I felt good all night, made one bad pitch, and, you know, ended up paying the price for it. That was a bad pitch by Ryan Helsley as the Cardinals fell 5-4 last night. In San Francisco to the Giants, took a 4-2 lead into the bottom of the ninth inning, but couldn't hang on, and Helsley throwing that hanging slider. It was a bad pitch to Blake Sable, and Sable, who strikes out 50% of the time, uh, wound up being the hero last night for the Giants. Ali Marmol, what happened on that at-bat? Yeah, uh, give him a good pitch to hit with two strikes, and uh, he didn't miss it. Um, basically, what happened? Yeah, it was it, it was pretty bad. It was uh, bad. Uh, good pitch is um, I don't know if that's the right word. I don't think it was a good pitch because it was hanging there. I think a good pitch would have been where Wilson Contreras wanted it, which would have been in the dirt. Mm-hmm. I think that's the pitch that he was he was looking for. The attempt may have been <laughs> the right thought, but it was the execution was not good. And so you you have to. You just got to perform better. You you got to perform better all the way around. You got a 4-2 lead in the ninth inning. You got your closer in there, and you expect to get out of that game with a win uh, because you are you are scuffling a little bit here, and, and you don't. You get a booted ball at second base for the second night in a row, and then you get a, a hanging breaking ball that is over the plate, and it is knocked out of the ballpark. And so you, you come away just feeling so dejected after you did all of the work to get the lead back and, and get in that put yourself in a position to win that game. Well, and I thought it was interesting, too. We played the sound from Blake Sable earlier, and he said he pretty much knew that they picked up on that it was coming, what Ryan Helsley was doing. And he also said in the same sentence, though, that he knew that he's a flamethrower. If you know that you have that stuff, then why not use it in that important of a situation? Do you think that Ryan Helsley, that his grip is kind of lessening on that closer role right now with the Cardinals? I don't know who you put in there. Would you put Gallegos back in there? That's the thing, is if it's not Helsley, then whom? Quiet is kept, and I know it's very quiet because he struggled, but Jordan Hicks has had a couple of good outings mm-hmm. his last three uh, three games he's gotten out there. He's faced only four batters, struck out, I think, six guys, four or six guys. So it, it's um, it, four batters in each game. He, he's done a pretty good job. I, But here's the thing is, at what point do you think that he gains back Ali Marmol's trust. He's going to have to have an opportunity to, to, to pitch in one of those high leverage situ- situations. <laughs> Which is nerve wracking. Right now, right now yeah. it's, been, it's been low leverage. It's been they've been down or they've been up by a lot of runs and he's gone in and had clean innings. Um, but at some point, you got to figure, I, I don't know, again, I don't know if one game is the game where you say, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. Just as like, I don't think after two games with Tommy Edmonds making a uh, making an error, I don't think you say, okay, we're done with that experiment. You, you got guys that can do it and have shown that they can do it. You're going to give them opportunities until they show you, you know, three, four, five times that they are unable to make it happen. There was a Cardinal game back in the day. Uh, in 2000, they had a, a pitcher named Heathcliff Slocum. And in two, I actually looked it up right now. May 10th of 2000, game in San Francisco. 
Tony let Heathcliff Slocum pitch to Barry Bonds in the bottom of the eighth. And you know what's going to happen. Barry Bonds hits a home run. And the Giants win the game by a score of 4-3. to three. And I, I told Tony I, when, when they came home, because I had said on the air and I wanted to be up front with him, I said, hey, this one's all on Larissa. There's no way you let Heathcliff Slocum pitch to Barry Bonds. And in his in, in, inevitable way, when I told Tony that, I said, I just want you to know I said it on the air. I put that loss on you. And he said, well, I'd like to manage against you. And I said, well, that day I would like to manage against you because we had a really good relationship. <laughs> but here's the thing. This wasn't Barry Bonds. This guy had struck out 23 no. times in 48 at-bats. And it doesn't matter who your pitcher is. You can't let him throw that pitch in that situation. You, If you're Dusty Blake, the pitching coach, if you're Ali Marmol, you, you might even take a mound visit and say, get two strikes on this guy and don't let him see anything in the strike zone. And to me, that goes higher than the pitcher, goes higher than the catcher. They have to make sure it's communication. And that's what they talk about, what Ali talks about all the time. It has to be communicated to Contreras and Helsley that you can't throw that guy a pitch in the strike zone when he has two strikes. Well, and that's what I, is kind of surprising to me because we know how good Ryan Helsley is. He was an all-star last season. Of course, that whole incident we keep talking about that with his thumb is a little bit concerning because of how that whole situation really unraveled for him and, as we sadly know, the Cardinals in the playoffs as well. But right now, Ryan Helsley is now 3-for-6 in save chances in the first month of the season. And Giovanni Gallegos, just saying has yet to give up a run oh, a little over eight innings so far this season. I don't think the I, I you know the execution of the pitch was, I thought the idea was right. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to beat a guy up because he thinks he can get him out with a with a with a slider down in the zone. You just got to throw it gotta down. It. You got to put it on the ground almost. Yeah. You got to you got to <laughs> Contreras is down there expecting a ball that he is going to have to, you know, get in front of to block. And it it, it just hung up there. And so it's not the the selection, it's the execution, and that falls on the player. It's it, it's always for me, 90% of the time going to fall on the player making a play in a moment. And if you are unable to do that, then you're not going to win games in the in the manner in which you need to. And if you look at that home run and just look at the way Wilson Contreras was set up. He was as low as he could possibly get for that pitch. So to your point, Kerry, Helsley has to he he has to make a better pitch. But my point here is that he has to be instructed to not throw the ball in the strike zone <laughs> to Blake Sable. <laughs> I, again, I think he was. I think that the communication was had if 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 Wilson was expecting that ball to be anywhere else other than bouncing to him, then, you know, he's not in that position with, with one leg out, knee on the ground. He's ready to to protect from a ball bouncing past him. Yep. And and so Helsley just didn't get it done in that moment. He'll have other moments, he'll have other opportunities, but you have to make your you have to do your job in those moments. And here's my point is you can't hang a fastball. You you can yeah. hang a slider. You can't hang a fastball, and that that I guess is ultimately where I come down on this. I got you. Yeah, you, you're you're more upset about the decision of that pitch, yeah. as yeah. opposed to the location of it. Yeah, because he he didn't get beat with his best pitch. Helsley didn't get beat with his best pitch. I think maybe that is a good question of how Wilson Contreras and the Cardinals are handling kind of the communication amongst the pitching staff and him. 
and how much Blake is involved in this as well. I mean, that's that's something that I am kind of curious as we see these situations unfold. Yeah, it's it, it, Wilson is literally sitting on the ground right here. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw. Yeah, so, yeah. He, he's sitting on the ground, one leg out. Yep. He's sitting there as low as you can be. He can't get any low. He he is expecting that ball to possibly bounce one hop. Yeah. And, and before he has to to, to catch it. It's just, I, we, we know the information we have in front of us. He has a huge whiff rate against breaking balls, but when he connects against breaking balls, he hits them, he hits them like crazy, and he has a much worse overall batting average against fastballs. So I, I, is, it, is it a mistake that they put it in the, their pitcher's hands to take advantage of a crazy whiff rate against breaking balls? Is that a mistake from the Cardinals' perspective? Again, don't throw him anything in the strike zone. That's all it is. And, and that, that's, that's essentially what yeah. I, and and, so and, That's a mistake on the player's part, not the philosophy aspect, correct? But it's it, the execution. It, yeah, but it's much easier for Ryan Helsley to ex- uh, to execute a 99-mile-an-hour fastball six inches off the plate than it is for any pitcher. Bob Gibson, Chris Carpenter, anybody, uh, well, Todd Worrell. It's much easier for those guys to spot a fastball than to get a slider to where they want it to be. And that's where I, I question, guess I say that that's where I question Gibson, but, the situational yeah. aspect. I understand maybe trying to get him to chase yeah. early, but as soon as you're not you're down in that in that at bat, you got to go to the fastball. But you're one too. Yeah, I, it's it's a yeah, one-two pitch. I I do agree. You have to if you know what you're capable of. We know he's a flamethrower. You got to throw your best pitch out there. Yeah. So you 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 well, and they they didn't, and it cost him. Uh, that is today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the bird watch. Each of us will have a little part of last night's game. We've we've touched on the biggest part, but we've got little parts of last night's game with our bird watch coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. Time for the Bird Watch. And guys, I know the real reason that the Cardinals lost, and we can blame Ryan Helsley all we want. We can blame the fact that Nolan Arenado is scuffling. We can blame the fact that the Cardinals were only two of seven with runners in scoring position. A lot of things we can blame. But the fact of the matter is, the Giants are better because they have the best City Connect uniforms in baseball. It's not even close. There's only one truly great City Connect uniform, and it is San Francisco's. And I just hope and pray that the Cardinals can approximate what the Giants have been able to accomplish <laughs> with their City Connects because most of the other ones are hyenas. They're <laughs> terrible. Uh, Boston's is pretty good, but uh, the the Giants one is the best, and that's why the Giants always win on c- their City Connect Tuesday. That was the Cardinals a, had no chance. What? That, that was a nice jersey. I will say that. Yeah, I did. Good. I did like it. Yeah, I, I was a fan. I, that's I why that's they're why winning. They lost that's... the Cardinals, but I, yeah. you know. uh, I I think if I if we look at it, Brooke. The, the Giants may, if I'm not mistaken, I'll check it here. I think they might be undefeated on uh, City Connect Tuesdays mm. at home. Well, maybe they should just wear it all the time. And let's let's expedite the Cardinals then, right? Uh, well, if the Cardinals wind up with a good one, yeah. And by the way, there's only <laughs> they've only played because it still is April. They've only played two Tuesdays, but they beat the Dodgers five to four. Their arch rivals on a City Connect Tuesday, and then they beat the Cardinals last night. So uh, they're saying, wow. yeah, five to four. Mm-hmm. On a two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth by Blake Sable, who had struck out half the time, <laughs> just under half. <laughs> but with the, with the City Connect, he connects with the City Connect oh, uniform. Oh, okay. So there's right. my bird watch. <laughs> so my bird watch is 
where is Jordan Walker, you might be wondering. G-dub. I, I think a lot of people were wondering that. So Jordan Walker hasn't started in three of the Cardinals' last four games. The reporters, doing what they should be doing out in San Fran, got to the bottom of this. Katie Wu of The Athletic tweeted out, Jordan Walker has been working on a variety of things with his swing, specifically his posture and rotation, which is why he had why he's been out of the lineup for the last two games. There's also been a focus to get him off the ground more and lower his chase rate outside of the zone. So, it's interesting because that sounds like you're working on maybe some developmental things, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And where am I going with this, Randy? Because if you you can pull up maybe a week or two ago where Ali Marmal did say this is not a developmental league. Said that about Jordan Hicks, did he not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like they're working on developmental skills with Jordan, the 20-year-old Jordan Walker. Yes. And and also Katie reacted because somebody said, well, why don't you just send him down to Memphis? And mm-hmm. she basically said... Well, you can kind of understand maybe working with him before you send him down. If if it's something you can tweak here and now, then maybe you do try. But it is a little bit confusing, the message, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. One thing that is logical to me is that you're paying your major league coaches three, four, five hundred thousand dollars and you're paying your minor league coaches thirty or forty thousand dollars. So by definition, your major league coaches should be better than your minor league coaches. So if you have a prized prospect, wouldn't you want him working with the people that you think are the best coaches in your entire organization? Yes, you would. You you want him working with the better players, I mean the better coaches, and you want him to get the better, uh, you know, learning and teaching from those guys. I think one thing we saw earlier that I thought was interesting, you 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 got a guy who has 20 hits in 20 games, and he's the guy that you're sitting out. You, you want him to work on hitting. I mean, and, and then there was another text that we got earlier that said, you know, maybe he's chasing bad balls because he's getting bad pitches because of where he's at in the lineup. Mm-hmm. If he's in the two-hole, he's probably getting much better pitches right. because you don't want to face the guys that are coming behind him. So it's about the lineup. It's about where guys are. You're not going to see much when you got uh, Tommy Edmond or or someone that is not performing as well batting behind you. And um, Brendan Donovan, one of those guys. It, it's just it's not going to be the same fear struck into a pitch, pitcher that will be if it's Arenado or, or Goldie behind you. I do think that, you know, to to that too, guys do deserve breaks. You know, we, we've seen them give a couple of guys breaks here and there. When it was this many days in the row, that's why we asked those questions. And I we said this at the beginning of the season. If you're going to keep Jordan Walker, if you're going to have him make that opening day roster, he needs to be an everyday starter. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. And we love the start that Alec Burleson had, but the facts are that Burleson's average is down to 239. His OPS is down to 710. He's three for his last 15. So you have to, and by the way, over the course of the last 15 days, Burleson hitting 214 with a 624 OPS. So he has cooled off considerably. Yeah, and that attempt at a bunt the other night was just intriguing. Yeah. Uh, We need a bird. There we go. So for my bird watch, it's going to be Ryan Helsley. So last night, he threw 18 pitches. How many fastballs do you think he threw? Out of those 18 pitches, I'm going with, uh, I'll go with eight. Four. Four fastballs. Four fastballs. <laughs> Rock was so two close, but five. Two of them were balls, mm-hmm. and one of them was hit into right center by Carl, I mean, Mike Yastrzemski. He 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 ripped mm-hmm. it out there. He his, The grandson is, is hitting the ball, seeing the ball very well. So I would say 
that potentially or maybe he wasn't feeling his fastball last night. Maybe he didn't have the feel for it. Maybe he didn't think it was doing what it needed to do. And we may think, oh, that's your best pitch, but maybe last night it wasn't. He had a one-two count versus Sable, and they were sliders. He got them with sliders on the Mm -hmm. two strikes. And so he felt like going back to it, get it down in the ground. He's going to chase it. That's what he does. And he didn't get it to the location that he wanted it to. We we saw where the location was supposed to be with Wilson Contreras sitting on the ground. It's just poor execution by by Ryan Helsley and not getting the job done in that moment. Am I ready to remove him from his closer role? No, I, but it is frustrating. It's it's starting to become a snowball effect when this team, when you are on a bad team. And I've been on bad teams. Randy, my, I went 1-10 my senior year. We couldn't mm-hmm. find a win. We went 10-2 two, two years prior, and everything worked out for us. And so when you're on a bad team, things just start to happen, and nothing feels like it's going in your favor or going in your way. And that's something that the Cardinals are going to have to fix. They're going to have to get on a winning streak to, to avoid that snowball effect because losing can become contagious, and now you feel like everything that – can happen, bad, is going to happen. Well, Ali said when Jordan Hicks had that horrible outing a couple of weeks ago, I think it was against Pittsburgh, he said we're only going to play him, use him in low leverage situations, right? Cardinals are pretty close to being, in every situation, being a low leverage situation. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think we're there yet. But I, 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 what I, what I would like to see, Randy, and I said this, give me a week of a consistent lineup. Give me a week of 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 starting your rotation, your five guys, and, and and give me a week of consistent lineup and see what they can do. And instead of all of the the okay, you're in today. Or it, it's like it's like musical chairs. You got to find. You got to get there early to before the music stops to get to your seat to make sure you're playing today. I, give me a lineup that every single day I know for a week. Just try it out. See if it works. I think that's a great idea, and I think the Cardinals would. And Ollie, well, not Ollie, but the people who make out the lineup would do really well to utilize that sort of oh, approach. What? Is, am I wrong here? Yeah. We, got a, we, got a, we got a problem with this? We, we, <laughs> he's the manager. Problems. There just seems to be a lot of meetings and a lot of decisions being made when, when you know, the sun's still pretty high in the sky, if you know what I'm saying. Like, just, yeah. There's a lot of meetings you talk about, and I'm confused. What happens in these meetings? I don't know. Do we not talk about the uh, 130 versus fastballs? Yeah. Or no? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That's your bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, did the, are, are you bringing our, our guy that won two days ago back now? Yes, Tony is coming back. Tony is going to go. He's going to go. He's got round two. Apologize correct. I apologized up and you. down. It was my fault, 100%. Good. Yeah, I think so. Tony uh, texted in and said, We ready? Yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> hey, hey, what are we doing? <laughs> he texted back to me and he goes, I was, I was listening. I go, Who's this gym guy? <laughs> if, if ever there was a time where somebody was going to change an answer for the fight while I'm out of the room. It's, it's probably today. The fight is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the to the 
opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today, we are so excited to have you back. Tony, how are you doing? We missed you yesterday, sir. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I needed that uh, day of rest, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> clearly, when you work that hard and get a win, you get a day off. So, so you're here with us today. We're happy to have you back. Are you ready to go? Let's do it. All right, only two teams since World War II have stolen more than 300 bases. Which Cardinals team made the list with 314? Was it the 1987 team, 1985, or 1982? Uh, let's go 87. In the 2018 NFL Draft, four quarterbacks were selected in the first 10 picks for the first time ever. Baker went first, followed by Darnold and Josh Allen. But which quarterback was drafted 10th overall by the Cardinals? Is it Logan Thomas, Teddy Bridgewater, or Josh Rosen? Should be Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. All right, earlier this week, former Cardinal Adolis Garcia became just the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to hit three home runs and two doubles in a game. Which Cardinal achieved the feat back in 2018? Was it Jose Martinez, Tommy Pham, or Matt Carpenter? Was it three home runs and two doubles? Yep. Hmm. Pham or Carpenter? I'll go with... Tommy Pham. Which former Cardinal MVP is the last player to officially be named the captain of the St. Louis Cardinals? Kim Boyer, Orlando Cepeda, or Keith Hernandez? Uh, let's call, I have no clue. Um, do I get a lifeline? You just had yeah, it. That was it. That was the option. That was the option. Are you thinking about it? Listen, they say if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So, Tony, I, I do appreciate it. That's right. That's what was right. that show where they used to do that? Uh, who, who wants, wants to, to be a millionaire? millionaire? Yeah. yeah. Let's, um, what, what were the options again? Boyer? Orlando Cepeda and Keith Hernandez. Okay. Uh, let's call it. Oh, my God. I have no idea. Let's go Boyer. All right, we'll double-check the score and bring in Randy Carricker. Tony, how do you feel? You had a day off yesterday. How, how does it feel to be back in the in the batter's box? It feels like it did Monday, and uh, so not good, but we'll see. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes. Randy is uh, coming back in in his Mizzou pullover sweater. Z-O-U. I-N-I. Randy, say hello to Tony. He's back. He had a day off. He had a day of rest yesterday. Tony, welcome back. Glad that you got a bye. Coronado. He had a day of rest. Yeah, well deserved. He had a four-hit day and he had a day off. We know how that goes. Yeah, we do. Oh, we do. All right, ready? Here we go. Ready. Only two teams since World War II have stolen more than 300 bases. Wow. Which Cardinals team made the list with 314? Well, Carrie, I'm guessing that uh, because Vince Coleman had 110 and uh, Willie McGee had 56, so that's 166 right there, mm-hmm. that it might have been the 1985 squad that stole 314 bases under Whitey Herzog. Had a double-double steal in Chicago. One of my all-time favorite plays. Double-double? Yeah, so Coleman's at second, McGee's at first. Double okay. steal. Okay. Coleman steals third. Um, yeah. McGee steals second. Ball gets away. Vince steals home. Willie moves to third. Double-double steal. Four, nice. steals, four steals on one play. That's awesome. 
In the 2018 NFL Draft, four quarterbacks were selected with the first 10 picks for the first time ever. Hmm. Baker went first, followed by Darnold and Josh Allen. But which quarterback was drafted 10th overall by the Cardinals? Uh, I think that might have been the future Hall of Famer Josh Rosen. Or maybe not a future. Hall I was going to say maybe not a future yeah. Hall of Famer. I mean, he's uh, he, he is a, a year. He is a Hall of Famer somewhere in his <laughs> state. Uh, it will be. Yeah, yeah. High school. Right. Yeah. High school. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe college. Maybe not. I thought but, that was a good pick. How do you pick a quarterback? Trade up to tenth overall, you, and then keep him for only one year. It's the Arizona Cardinals. They fired there the coach you. and the yeah, quarterback yeah, in, in one year. Good point. Yeah, ridiculous. Earlier this week, former Cardinal Adolis Garcia became just the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to hit three home runs and two doubles in one game. Which Cardinal achieved that feat back in 2018? I think that was in Chicago and Marp did it. That was when Marp was good. Marp. Matt Carpenter. <laughs> yes, I, I just like the Marp. Uh, which former Cardinal MVP is the last player to officially be named the captain of the St. Louis Cardinals? Officially named the captain of the Cardinals. I'm going to say that uh, it was not Ken Reitz, who was never an MVP, but was unofficially named by Vern Rapp as the captain of the team. Didn't go over very well. Uh, but I'm going to say it was Ken Boyer. That's what I'm going with. We have a winner in today's fight. Was Tony's Arenado like rest day enough to come back against Randy Carricker or Randy Carricker, or does the champion move on? Carrie, take that look off your face. I said it correctly the second time. <laughs> Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm so sorry, Tony. You heard Mr. Buck there. and That means Randy Carricker got the jack. He beat you today 4-2. to two. Uh, You know what? Can't win them all. Can't win them all. Very true. You cannot win them all. And, and in fact, uh, let's go through some of these answers. You heard them all from Randy Carricker. There are only two teams since World War II to have stolen more than 300 bases in a season. It was, in fact, the 1985 St. Louis Cardinals. Randy, do you have a guess of what franchise hold is the other team with the most? It's, four, it's 440. It's 341. I'm going to go with the Athletics. It is, in That's fact, the 1987 say. Oakland Athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, uh, if the Cardinals had won uh, that the World Series that year, they would have the most ever stolen bases by a World Series winning team. But that right now is owned by the Reds. Uh, in the 2018 draft, four quarterbacks were selected in the first 10 picks. It went Baker Mayfield, J- uh, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and then Josh Chosen Rosen, 10th overall to the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Earlier this week, former Cardinal Adolis Garcia became just the fourth player in Major League Baseball history and the first in AL history to hit three home runs and two doubles in one game july 20th 2018 matt carpenter three home runs and two doubles against the chicago cubs and which former cardinal mvp is the last player to officially be named the captain of the st louis cardinals it is in fact ken boyer you're right there is a addendum in the cardinals hall of fame that there has been a a, a couple unofficial Mm -hmm. captains named since ken boyer and so a 4-2 win for randy character thank you so much for joining the show today tony thanks guys thank you tony tony good to have you with us on 101 espn Randy, when you hear some of these questions, do you feel like it's a, a one-two slider? You just waiting to hit off the tee. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I don't. I don't strike out fifty percent of the time. Oh, oh. you do not. But when you see it, you no. you know it's out of there, right? It's when going. you hear, it, you're like, oh yeah. I yeah I, I'm I'm like Blake Sable last night. Yeah, when I when I, when I hit it, I knew it was gone. <laughs> so Rocky O is Ryan Helsley in this situation. Oh. 
Oh, oh Randy, Those Tony asked. Tony asked for uh, a lifeline. We <laughs> After we already <laughs> gave him the options. <laughs> he said, "Do I get a lifeline?" Uh, we gave you the options. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> you could have called me in the hall. <laughs> right, hey, Randy, real quick. <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is an unbelievable story. The sports book have Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback, shooting up draft boards, maybe to be number one tomorrow. Why is this happening? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for some NFL news and notes. And guys, this is a crazy story. Okay? We figure that the sports books, they have somebody in every organization, and that's how odds for things like the draft are prepared. Well, yesterday, the odds on DraftKings for Will Levis going number one overall in the draft went from 40 to 1 to 4 to 1. Why did Will Levis go from 40 to 1 to be taken first overall to 4 to 1? According to a report, the rush of action on Levis is believed to have been triggered by a post on Reddit that claimed he was telling friends and family that Carolina would take him first on Thursday. A Reddit post, an anonymous Reddit post, made the odds of the draft change that dramatically. Yes, I. so we in our after show meeting yesterday, we were discussing this because it had just started to hit, I guess, mainstream media. And I said to you guys, I said... Isn't this just because of a Reddit post? And you guys didn't believe me yeah. at first. You're like, no, no way. I'm like, no, this is literally happening because of a Reddit post. Somebody with like just randomly put that on there. And now this is what's causing that shift. But I assume there has to be more to it, right? Than just one Reddit post, well, I would hope. Because his odds have dropped pretty dramatically to go second overall as well. It, it, it's, it's interesting that, as you said, a Reddit post. I wonder who got who got to that that poster who who is the person that they got that information from did they did they check their sources did they no. really go back and see if this was a real person someone close to Will Levis did Will Levis really say it i, I mean this is um to drop the odds that that drastically is is intriguing but you would think because Vegas generally always gets it right you would think that they have some information that is accurate, right? Because they don't just make those changes without knowing something that that we all don't know. So, I, it, I mean, it's been quiet. Carolina has been quiet the entire time since they moved up, since they traded with the Bears, getting that first pick. No one has any idea as to what they're doing because mm-hmm. Houston is after them. They're trying to figure out if they're going to take a quarterback, if the quarterback they want isn't there. No one knows. So Thursday, tomorrow is going to be a, an intriguing uh, first 20 minutes of the first round because if if they do decide to go with Will Levis, everyone's board changes from that point on. Back in the day, you'll remember this, carry. teams could sign the number one pick or the next pick that was available before the draft. They don't need to do that anymore with the way the CBA is set up. But for example, uh, 1998, I'm doing a show over at Rams Park and, or 2008, sorry, 2008. And I walk in, or I'm doing a show and Jay Zygmunt walks in and I said, how about the Dolphins and Long? And he, he, his eyes get big. He says, which long? And I said, Dolphin signed to Jake. He, Damn it. Because mm. the Cardinals wanted to take Jake. Yeah. They had the second pick, and they wound up with Chris. Bad pick. But 
the the Dolphins signed Jake ahead of time, so everybody mm-hmm. knew when the draft started right. who the number one pick was going to be. Then NFL Network got started, and they thought we got a TV show here. We don't want people to know. We right. want drama. Right. So they disallowed teams from signing the pick anymore, and now they don't even want the team to talk. So. We cons- we theoretically we have no idea who the pick is going to be. Maybe it'll be Bryce Young, but this adds to the intrigue of the TV show tomorrow. It does. I mean, it, it's especially if it is Will Levis, a quarterback. Randy, I mean, I've heard people say, "Oh, just throw out his 22, 2022 season." What? <laughs> huh? You're going to throw out last season and pretend like it didn't happen? When I compared Anthony Richardson and and Will Levis versus like opponents, uh, Will Levis had like a hundred and 30 yards against Vanderbilt. Anthony Richardson threw for 400. <laughs> you laugh because you you know what that know, means, yes. right? It's bad. It's I not know. good football. But here's what he did, Randy. He came to, to Indianapolis in his shorts and T-shirts, mm-hmm. and he put on some weight. He had been lifting. He was looking good. He was looking strong. And some of those GMs said, Ooh-wee. Yep. Yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I want my quarterback looking good in shorts and T-shirts. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the guy I want to sign first overall to lead my franchise to wherever that hell we're going to go. He looks good in those shorts and t-shirts. Let me see what he does. It doesn't matter what he does on the field because <laughs> clearly that didn't matter. I hope <laughs> that that's more of the case though than a Reddit post has somehow skyrocketed his his worth because that to me that's somehow worse and concerning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also will keep me from I, betting. So that's that's true. Good I, point. I, yeah. Well, yeah, you know what? I don't know which is more concerning, right? Because you are a, this is your job. This is how yeah. you feed your family. This is your livelihood. You watch film to decide who is the best player to draft, and then you you disregard all of that film, all of that information, yeah. and you see a guy walk around in T-shirt and, a sh- and some shorts, and you say, whoo, yes, him. He looks good. I want I want him to be on my roster. And, and you just say, well, we're just not going to worry about any of the hours of film that we just watched. As a as a Titans fan, I saw that there was also reports, I think, last week that the Titans possibly trying to trade up to get him. It would be so Titans to just <laughs> go get him based off what you're talking about, that he looked like a NFL quarterback in a workout. Elway or the oh next my God. We, we, we're done. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> the quarterback curse needs to stop with the Tennessee uh, Titans. Brooks, speaking of the Tennessee Titans, they have a new stadium locked in now, and they'll stay in Nashville for the foreseeable future. Their stadium opened in 1999, and now they're going to get one of those state-of-the-art uh, roof stadiums that has the ability to draw Final Fours and uh, National Football Championship games and huge concerts and stuff like that. It's So I'm looking at it right now, and I know this is just a rendering. It looks very, very modern, which sometimes I don't like super modern-looking stadiums because I feel like it will kind of... Does that make sense if I say that it will look outdated eventually? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what we think is like cool and modern now... It, it won't be. It's kind of like, you know, the, remember during the 70s, there was this phase of like where they did kind of like the modern style houses of what they thought would be nice in the future. And then now we look at them, we're like, yeah, ew. Yeah. What is that? Right. You know, it's like a, what is that? What was that TV show? The the Jets or something Jetsons. like that? Jetsons. Jetsons? Yes. George like Jetson. that. Here's like George Jetson. houses that remind me of that. It, it's interesting because also, one, this is, this is a very yeah. expensive stadium. Two, the stadium agreement includes a new 30-year lease and a non-relocation agreement between the Titans and the Sports Authority. That's an important thing to have. 
That's a good thing to yes. have. Yes. Lock them in for 30 years and uh, get it taken care of. And it's going to be the biggest public payout ever. And these are going to go up because communities are willing to pay it, even though the NFL has more money than they could ever spend. But the the Nashville community is going to spend how much total? Uh, $850 million, right? For, for Nashville yeah. and, the, and the state. And I always thought when the Rams left here and turned down public money and said, no, we can just build it on our own, 100% financed in California, that they basically told, the NFL did, every public entity in America, that we can build it ourselves. We got plenty of money. Mm-hmm. But public entities quit that. And so in New York, which had the previous highest payout ever publicly for a stadium for Buffalo, they just took a billion dollars out of their uh, education budget and put it toward a stadium. <laughs> That's why people hate athletes so much. Yeah. That, that, that is that is why. Yeah. You don't take it out of education. You no. find something else. Nashville so, does. They're just of... kind of rolling in the dough right now, though, yeah. with the public funding, because you have, well... I know it's a sensitive subject here, but you had the merger with Davidson County and City. And once they did that merger, then that's when Nashville really, really started to explode. Oh, those work? Yes. In in Nashville and Indy. I mean, there's a couple examples of, mm-hmm. of where Kansas of where City. it works. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really focus a lot on tourism. And now you have Nashville exploding to what mm-hmm. it is now. And they're getting, I mean, they're getting all these huge events. People forget about, you know, you're competing for conferences and stuff like too. So even if you're not a sports fan, investing in sports, it has a huge ripple effect into the community. And it seems like Nashville is buying into that. Yes, they're the music city, but they're also giving their sports a chance to bring in revenue as well. It really is a shame that we as a community aren't advanced enough to recognize why all these other communities are passing our community. It's a pretty simple thing, and pretty much every business person is on board with the idea. And it's not going to happen, but that's why St. Louis will wind up being out of the top 50 sooner rather than later, because we're just getting passed up again and again and again because we refuse to look to the future and care about what the future holds for our community, our region. I mean, that's... that's where we are, who we yeah. are, and what we're going to do. And, and and it ain't going to change. No, it's not. Yeah. And people it will could. go to Nashville. Well, no, it no. It, it, Why it, not? It, only with a merger. That's the only way. It'll only change with a merger. Otherwise, it's not changing. But that's that's too much like right. If we would merge today, we would have the 11th largest city in America and the 54th wow. highest crime rate. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Things would change dramatically. But there's a lot of people. A lot of who, mayors, a lot of uh, who lose out if that happens. Yep, where exactly. do all of the, where do all of those people go? Right. If you have one instead of how many? Fifty three. Is it fifty three? Mm-hmm. Municipalities, county. yep, counties. Yep. It's that is absurd. It is. When people come from out of state, they they get confused. Hey, well, I'm in Delwood. Jennings. A little hypothetical. <laughs> a little hypothetical fun. If if that did happen and we had that kind of money to give to public funding. How long before you could get this area to vote for public funding for an NFL stadium? For for NFL? Not the NFL. No. The you think NFL. that's ever going to happen again? No. Uh, well, wow. not as long as my generation there. is around. It's okay. going to take a younger generation that wasn't torched by the NFL. Yeah. So. You just have you have we? so many fans that are going. I mean, look at the amount of people who are going to Cardinals games, despite mm-hmm. if they're doing well, not doing well. You're still going to have a loyal fan base of people coming in. Imagine just being able to keep that. And Ballpark Village is great, but expanding that even more. You now have downtown West and what Carolyn Kendall and them are doing with you know 
City SC and building that up as well. Just imagine if you can continue to expand that and allow that to grow. It would be huge for tourism and also attracting more big conferences, concerts, events, all that stuff. It would be huge. Thank you, Mayor Brooke. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm, believe <laughs> no, me, I do not want to launch my have, political campaign. You actually have you common sense. You make sense. Yep. Much needed. Well, then I can't be a politician. <laughs> Those are NFL News and Notes on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset, and boy, is it fun today. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. The call from Dwayne Kuyper on NBC Sports Bay Area. The Cardinals lose their second in a row to the Giants in San Francisco. I don't know, Brooke and Kerry, what you thought. And by the way, it's 9.02. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. But one of the reasons that I stayed up to watch the end of the game was because I was concerned that the Cardinals would blow it. (laughs) (laughs) I was excited that they were going to win it. I was excited, but I was concerned. I had no concern until it until I saw the ball going happened. over the, the fence. Until it unraveled. So you're saying that you didn't feel like it was exactly a safe enough lead. I don't feel comfortable with this team. No, it's I no? don't feel like it was a safe enough lead. You don't feel like Ryan Helsley in the ninth inning with a four-two uh, with a two-run lead is uh and is sufficient last enough. Last year he was the best reliever in baseball, and this year. Even though he's been very good, his ERA is still 1.83 or something like that. He's, it just doesn't feel the same to me. And maybe that was borne out last night with uh, this, the home run from a guy who had, had uh, 28 at-bats and struck out 13 times. Randy, I know you like history, and maybe this maybe has to do with why you didn't exactly feel comfortable. The Cardinals are now 9-15 and through 24 games this season. This is the worst 24-game start to a season for the Cardinals since 1973 when they went 5-19. and I think they might have gone 5-20. and Yeah, 5-20, and actually. So 5-19 and through 24, 5-20 through 25. And then they came back, and they, all, they almost won the division. I think that was the year that um, that Bob Gibson allowed a home run to Mike Jorgensen at the end, if I'm not mistaken, in 1973. But uh, yeah, after that 5-20 and 20 start, they were pretty darn good. But that is a bad start for the Cardinals. That is something that we aren't used to. So what solves this? Like, what what is the thing or things we've talked... So this season so far, we've talked about poor pitching, poor starting pitching. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the lack of timely hitting now we're talking about errors and 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 not uh taking care of your business in the field we've had a closer who's come in and and given up a bomb to to end the game mm-hmm. what if you got all of those things that need to be fixed where where do you start i thought that this team and by the way i have thought that they would come together but i've just felt like they were disjointed that they just weren't a good unit and early on blamed it on the the world baseball classic and they just didn't have their guys together now i just wonder about whether this group is if it's properly prepared to be a unit we know the talent is there we know the players are there 
but is this group properly prepared to go out and play as a unit and win games? For me, and and again, that you're the World Baseball Classic. It, it's one thing if you are a football team and you're not able to run plays, you're not able, or you're a basketball team and you're not able to work on how a guy comes off of a screen and and what he's going to do after that. It's a lot of things, moving parts in those sports. In baseball, if I'm playing right field for Team USA and I'm playing right field for team for the St. Louis Cardinals, I'm still playing right field. Maybe the infield, the the, the shortstop and the second baseman, how you how you want the ball flipped to you for for a double play. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something that you can work on. But there the elements of of baseball don't change when they went to the World Baseball Classic. They're still going to hit the cutoff man when they're in right field. They're still going to, you know, be in the places that they're supposed to be in in terms of working with a teammate. So I don't know how that necessarily can impact what the Cardinals are doing as a team when the individuals aren't doing their job, but they've been doing it when they were playing in the World Baseball Classic, just not with the Cardinals. It's hard to put my finger on, and maybe you can better because you've played on championship teams, but every championship team I've been around, I'm always told about the chemistry and the good feeling and how people like each other in the room. They get a chance to know each other. And that bleeds over into what you do on the field. Okay, so that I can see. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's 100% accurate. It's more about, it's not so much on the field time and and what you're doing in practice or or we're not doing. It's about what you do off the field. It's about hanging out with one another, going in in, on the planes and and playing, you know, playing cards with one another and and hanging out after practice and, and going to each other's houses for dinner, things of that nature. Those are the things that you may miss when guys are in different places and different parts of the world with the World Baseball Classic. If that's an issue, then yes, I could see that. The baseball part, I don't feel like should be an issue because they were all still playing baseball. Yeah, I agree. So we just got a text in. We're getting a flurry of texts in. 217 says, attitude reflects leadership. I don't think Marmol has the team. So what did Marmol have to say about this tough stretch for the Cardinals last night? When you suffer like this, it, it creates some perseverance and perseverance character. And uh, I'll tell you right now, this will serve us well down the road. Um, this group's not going to cave. I don't care what people think. Um, and this will serve us extremely well when we get into September. I'll tell you that. So losing a game in the bottom of the ninth that you led 4-2 heading into the bottom of the ninth is going to serve you well. It's going to what teach if, you how to finish. What if you miss the playoffs by a game? Does it's that really be serve? Sickening. Yep. Does it serve you well? It, it, it's going to be. We. I've been there. I've. <laughs> I've. One game, win in comparison to a loss puts you in the playoffs. It's a sick feeling, which is why I am so adamant about not giving away games early in the season because you just do not know how mm-hmm. the end of the season is going to play out. You you cannot predict it. You might be, you talked about 93 wins for this team. If they win 86 and 93 got them into the playoffs, then they're going to be sick about the losses to, to Atlanta early in the season, the losses to, to San Francisco, these two losses that they've had. You're going to be sick about it because you're going to realize that every game does matter. It's about how you perform, and, and and when you get to the end of the season and you look back on and you reflect on it, on games you lost in April or lost in May, 
you could be really frustrated that you didn't take care of that business. Well, and also you have to worry about the other teams as well because we kind of make fun of the Pirates, but the Pirates, it doesn't seem like this is the Pirates that we've seen in recent years. You have to give people credit when they are doing what they should be doing. The Cubs as well, they lead the National League in runs per game, average, and OPS right now. So a lot of teams are doing the right things, and you're getting further and further behind, to your point, Carrie, of... It does matter, especially this early on, especially when you're getting further and further back and you're looking as everybody else is finding a way to win. Five back in the wild card right now. Five back of the last wild card team. I'm going to give uh, some 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 free advice for the Cardinals. They have a game Sunday, April 30th in L.A. They don't play again here until uh, Tuesday, May 2nd. Mm-hmm. You play at 3 o'clock on Sunday. Take Monday and have an outing in L.A. together. Do something as a team. If, if whether it's a group of six, eight, whether it's the entire team, you might need some of those moments just to kind of talk about what you talked about, the, the moments that they were unable to have in spring training, because that is something. It, it, it's something wonderful, in, in even in football. When we go through training camp, it's hard. It is frustrating. But you know what? We're all in it together. And we're all it going suffering through this together and in this locker room. It was really cool. In Pittsburgh, we had different locker rooms in our in our big locker room at the at the college we were at. But we the locker room I was in, it was only like six to eight of us, and so mm-hmm. we really got like us six: James Ferrier, Aaron Smith. Like we were really close in that in our little section, and nobody mm-hmm. came in there and bothered us because it was so small. It was just enough for for six to eight people. But we it, it's something about those moments that you do miss. When you're, when you're not able to have that spring training time. What's interesting to me is, having been in this clubhouse quite a bit, these guys are actually really close. So that's what is kind of confusing to me. A lot of these guys are very, very close. I mean, Tommy Edmond is close with Adam Wainwright. They do stuff with Big League Impact together. Mm-hmm. You, you have a lot of these guys, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnato, they are in constant communication with each other, but somehow it's not translating well, on the field, which is, what does that mean? And the other part of this is that you have new hitting coach, new pitching coach yes. this year. Pretty much a new staff. I want to add this before we wrap up, and we've got rock and roll coming up in a moment. But if the playoffs started today, Tampa Bay is managed by Kevin Cash. That's a, a new wave, very analytical organization. Texas is managed by Bruce Bochy. Chris Young is their GM, as old school as it gets. Minnesota Rocco Baldelli, pretty old school. Uh, Baltimore would make the playoffs there. A new age, Jeff Luno descendant team with uh, Mike Elias being their, their uh, general manager. Toronto has gone old school with John Schneider. Houston, as old school as old school gets with Dusty Baker. Uh, The Yankees, they're very analytically inclined. Then you come to the National League. Atlanta would win the the East today. They're managed by Brian Snitker, old school. Derek Shelton in Pittsburgh, pretty old school. The Dodgers are new school. Uh, Milwaukee is kind of a balance. The, The Cubs are... Absolutely new school. And then the Mets with Buck Showalter are old school. But here's the thing. None of the teams that are out of the hunt, none of the franchises that are out, except for maybe Philadelphia at the moment, would be considered old school. Pretty much every old school manager right now in baseball, the more towards people and managing a team in the dugout rather than analytics, none of those people are out of the playoff hunt right now. And so I I do think that there's something to be said for having – a veteran, oh, you know what, Terry Francona, sorry about that. Terry Francona would be out of the playoffs right now. There is something to be said for a manager that actually manages a dugout. That's my philosophy here. Uh, I, I, 
I don't think he's not managing. I think yeah, I think he's he's I don't know where I think he's where. conducting. I don't think he's managing. What's the difference? I, I think you're given a script to play out when you're and you're just moving your hands. Yes, uh, and they're going to play the sounds regardless of right. how your hands move. And by the, this is not an affront because most of baseball does it that way. But Whitey Herzog, Tony Larusa, Joe Torre, they they knew two innings ahead of time what they were going to do. They didn't have a script. Here, the best way I can describe this is the the old school managers that I covered. They were proactive. Seems like everything here is reactive to the script. And that's not, I don't think, the best way to win. And I think that's being borne out by the guys who are succeeding now by managing in an old school way. And by the way, Bruce Bochy, uh, having Texas where they are right now, in first place in the West, ahead of Houston and ahead of the Angels, that's pretty good for them. That is today's uh, Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got rock and roll before Adam Wainwright at the bottom of the hour on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll. Before we get to Adam Wainwright at the bottom of the hour here, I'm 101 ESPN. Rock, what do you got? I had a couple things here, but I've been reading some texts that we've been getting on on this Cardinals discussion, and honestly, with the way the Cardinals are playing, I I, I wanted to get to a couple of these uh, right now. Right off the bat from the 314, is the manager problem Mo's fault? He hasn't made a great hire ever. If the Cardinals had a veteran manager instead of Matheny, then we win at least one more World Series. Uh, Yeah, you could make that argument. You could. I'm assuming they're thinking that the Cardinals would have won the 2013 I World believe Series, that would be there, yeah. And another manager would not have caused Alan Craig to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, another manager would have found it, would have won a lot of games with them always having a runner on base and Big Poppy. Yeah. Third base bag that yeah. Alan Craig. Yeah, right. was, yeah, take, take, take that thing out. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, the not pitching to Big Poppy would have been a smart move yeah. as well. A little bit. Um, from the 913, in what world is Bruce Bochy an old school manager? He was using numbers before it was cool. Uh, Bruce Bochy is not an analytics guru. And as a matter of fact, that was one of the reasons. And he and Farhan Zaidi, who is very analytically inclined, the new Pobo for the Giants, while they had a good personal relationship, they did not have the same philosophy in terms of running a baseball organization and Chris Young former player is in charge of the Rangers now and if it would have been a Jeff Luno disciple for example Bochy would not have taken the job he said that 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 was the only place Texas was the only place he was going to go um, we got a lot of these texts, so I'm just going to sum it up with, with one of the better ways they phrase it. 314, if you want it fixed, bring on manager Molina. I predicted it would be less than three seasons before he took over at the helm, and I think now is the perfect time. I believe he is referring to uh, Yadier, not Benji or Jose. Okay. Mm. Um, I have been seeing a lot of these texts because, as we know, uh, Yadi was the manager for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic, so he is starting that new venture. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I don't think that he would fit the Cardinals' idea of a manager right now with what they're looking for. I don't know that the 2 o'clock meeting would be something that Yachty would favor. <laughs> Are we ready? Are we, we, we're just, we're just going to fire Ali right now. 
Is that where no, we are? No. In Saint Louis? I'm asking. What is that what they are? Is that what they are uh, suggesting? They are suggesting that. Yes. A year, a year in, hiring Adi as manager, you have to I, fire the other a guy. A year and a quarter in? Like yeah. a, a year and, and, and a fourth? We're not even at a fourth yet, are we? A no, year and a not fifth? Not even a fourth, yeah. Like yeah. We, we aren't even a fifth of the way through. Right. Just a sophomore slump. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just intrigued by it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that, again. And by the way, he was in the playoffs in his first he, year. Too. He was. They, and and unfortunately, Ryan Helsley hurt his finger in the game, meaningless game that ended up popping up in the playoff game. Yeah. So I don't know that we're ready to. I don't know that I'm ready to just do away with Ali Mormal. I think he is. Um, I don't know. I, I think this lineup has to figure some things out. I think the pitching has to figure some things out. And I think the players have to figure out how invested they want to be in the success of this team. If you are if you are all in for one another, Randy, you you hit the nail on the head. The best teams that I've ever been on, it was truly a love. Uh, you loved these guys that you were working with, and you wanted to be the best version of yourself, so that you wouldn't let them down. I, I couldn't I couldn't care less about a coach or or uh, you know upper management. It's about the guys that I work with every single day that are that I'm holding accountable and they're holding me accountable. Those are the guys I, I worry about. Yeah, I just think that we, we've touched on this a lot. It seems like what Major League Baseball is trending towards this new age of kind of managers is different than what we've seen in the past. We keep bringing up Whitey Ball. We bring up Tony La Russa. I think that that's something that is kind of fading away. Unless and this you want to win a World Series. And, and now you have this kind of new age manager. I will say, though, if Yadier Molina became a manager of whichever team, it would be must-see TV for the <laughs> post game. It would, I mean, TV ratings would be amazing. Here's my question. If if we are assuming, as you have said, Randy, that these decisions are not made by the manager, then why would you fire the manager? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you fire yourself um, if it's not working? Unless the manager is deviating from what the plan this, of the 2 o'clock meeting was, right? This, yeah, well, if that's the case, then what he's doing isn't working, and then you would be fired. But right. if you are told, this is the way you need to do this, this is the way you need to play this, and he, and you're sitting there, I told you, if it was me, and and the management said, you need to do this, 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 and this, I'm going to do it 100%. And when it doesn't work, Randy, I'm going to sit just like this on my hands and not make a move, because this is what you wanted to do. But the problem that, that I've learned, every coach that I've talked to that has been fired from a place. They always say, my next time, I'm doing it my way. Yep. If mm. I'm going to get fired, yeah. I'm going to do it my way. I don't give a damn what they say because I'm going to go out my way. And, and and if that gets me fired, cool. At least I will feel comfortable knowing that I got fired going about it with the, with the, the, the best of my ability and the way my heart felt of making mm. those decisions. That's a great point. I think Mike Schilt might have taken that a little much too much to heart because mm-hmm. here's the thing. I mean, what's this, the situation that Mosaic is, is in? Say that I do think it's too soon to say you got to get rid of Ollie. Here's the thing. He's had three managers over the last four years. Right. Yeah. What is that? If you're a Mosaic in that position, I'm sure that's tough to deal with as well, too, of what does that look like for your legacy yeah. And then you're, well. you're saying that if you would fire Ollie. If you, would you have, did, yeah. yes. And so, yeah, and it's a franchise that's built on stability. That's one of the things that makes it great, and that was one of the disappointing things about Mike Schilt not lasting a long time, is that 
whatever the issues were that led to the philosophical differences that he wasn't able to stay around because he was a rock in the organization for 18 years. I think the sign of, of a great management and, and people in, in upper management is when they can hire people to do their job and trust that mm. they hired the right person. If you don't think you hired the right person, then you should look at yourself mm-hmm. and say, oh, whoa, 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 I got to be better because I'm not hiring the right people to do the job that I need to be done. And either I'm going to do it myself or I'm going to find people that can actually do it in the manner in which we need it done. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that kind of the reaction when the shield firing happened, which was, if you're going to want somebody to come in here and build a team in the Cardinal way, who else are you going to find who's going to buy into that mindset more so than than, than Mike Schilt? He's you talked about it. He has the book in his back pocket. Literally has so the book. This, we were kind of wondering this when they made the decision on Mike Schilt. There's nobody better to follow your rubric, your your blueprint. And I think maybe we're staring at a situation where they, they're, they're discovering that now. And I just, while I admire the people that are good at math, because I'm not, <laughs> let's just look at some facts here, okay? Dusty Baker has been managing baseball since... 1992, and he won the World Series last year. Brian Snicker managed for 30 years in the minors before he got the Braves job, won the World Series two years ago. Dave Roberts, kind of the anomaly with the Dodgers, they won. Uh, Dave Martinez, old school guy, old school protege of Joe Madden, won in 2019. 2018, Alex Cora. Who did Alex Cora lean on every single day during 2018? Traveled with the team and provided advice to Alex Cora. One Tony LaRussa was in that front office. The year before that, the, the ultimate analytics team, Houston, won. But then before that, Joe Madden wins with the Cubs. The year before that, Ned Yost wins. The year before that, it was Bruce Bochy. The year before that, it was John Farrell. Bochy, Larusa, Bochy. It's Baseball is still rife with a history of old-school people that manage the dugout winning the World Series and it being much more rare that the people that don't manage the dugout that get a script not winning the World Series. So I, I just, and we'll see how it plays out here in St. Louis. But I, I just wonder if we might revert back to a, a point in baseball where analytics don't play as much of a role as, as Tony always said, they're men, not machines, of actually managing people. People matter. Math, yeah. meh. Texter from the 618 says three things about math. One, it's hard. <laughs> Two, I'm not good at it. I love that joke. I, I love that joke. I saw that and I chuckled to myself, too. I love that text. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, Adam Wainwright, Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Wednesdays with Wayno on the opening drive. We're talking life, baseball, and what's happening at Big League Impact with Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright. Wednesdays with Wayno is presented by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric diamond contractor. And right now on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and uh, Carrie Davis, Adam Wainwright joins us on the Celebrity Line. Of course, the founder of BigLeagueImpact.org. A lot of great things happening with Big League Impact. And Adam working his way back to make his major league debut in 2023. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Doing great, Randy. How are you, buddy? Everything's good, except we're up in arms over a walk-off loss last night, as you might imagine. Man, that was a tough one. When it rains, it pours, Randy, and that's where we're in the middle of the pour right now, buddy. We're, uh, you know, we just 
keep telling each other. Well, I keep telling them from afar, and I know those guys are telling each other too. They just you just can't give up. You just got to keep going. You know, it's a, a hole we've dug ourselves, and and uh, coming out of it is going to be even more rewarding. But the only way we're not going to get out of it is if we give up. So um, we have the talent to come out of it. We have uh, we have had some tough tough stuff happen, man. And you know, and it, and at time, I know our guys would admit at times we've we've not looked anything like what we can look. So. I know it's frustrating for Cardinal Nation, man. I just can't. I can't wait to get back out there and and try to help turn it around. Our guys are are ready for for a for a kind of a call to arms and better better play all around. But last night was certainly tough. And, you know, we got one of the best relievers in the game on the mound, and you know, it just didn't happen last night. But um, you know, hell is going to be good going forward. And Adam, uh, I've mentioned this on the show in the last couple of days, and you've been around since 2006, uh, 2005, actually. So you are, by definition, a leader of this team. How, when you're there with the club, do you treat situations like this? Do you take it upon yourself? Do you do, do you say something to the guys? Do you go to individuals? How does Adam Wainwright exercise the leadership role? Well, every situation's different. Every season's different. Every every player's different and and sometimes you know sometimes it's a tough word or you got to stand up and and you know tell guys to wake up you know until a couple years ago and in 19 we had a big meeting and i just stood up and said look we got to be tougher man like we're we're not nearly as tough as as we need to be to be a winning ball club other times you stand up and and say you know guys i love y'all man let's just you know we need to come together and there's just different stuff man just you can't it can't be forced it's got to be natural. It's got to be right. It's got to be the right time. It's got to be the right moment, the right people to speak to, and and the right way to speak to them. You know, every 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 situation's different. Unfortunately, I just hadn't been with them to know, to know the feel of that clubhouse and exactly what they need right now. You know, but I'm looking forward to getting back with them soon. Well, Wayno, I saw last night on Twitter that you took the time to respond to some trolls under Katie Wu of the Athletics. Uh, final stat line for you said, looking forward to proving every last one of you underneath this wrong. Thanks for the motivation. There's a balance. Read the comments and get depressed or read the comments and put the war paint on. See you soon. Why did you want to respond to some of those trolls? And do you use that as motivation and kind of a chip on your shoulder? Yeah, that's everything. Every bit of it is for motivation for me. And I and I have I have uh demonstrated this in the past that I'll even create narratives when they're not there, <laughs> you know, for for no motivation. I I looked at one of our reporters years ago, couple like 3 years ago and I was like you don't think I can do it. And he was like, huh? And I was like, <laughs> you don't think I can do it. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. And, but you know, I I uh I was, you know, I did I did a lot of good things in my in my outing yesterday. I didn't have my put away breaking ball yesterday again two times in a row. Man, a couple of games, a couple of sim games before that, I was throwing the best breaking ball of my life of my life. So I need that to come back a little bit. But I was 18 for 20 first pitch strikes. So I was I averaged 87, 88, topped 89 yesterday and. And uh, the time before, I was 87, 89, too, but it got reported that I topped out of 86. And so I just like, you know, I, 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 at some point, some of our, you know, our writers are great. I love our writers. But, you know, a couple of, and, and I know it's frustration about the whole team and the way they're playing and stuff. But at some point, you know, people are getting loose lips a little bit. And I just, and I'm, and I'm of course, I'm going to pull that and, and use that. But I scroll down to Katie's. 
Katie's post, I, I just I just went, all right, let me hear what these fans are, are saying. I mean, and so, I, like, the first 15 people were like, this guy's washed. He's old. He, he ain't going to help <laughs> us, you know. And I'm like, man, okay. And so – I made sure I responded to that, and then I went on a block fest. (laughs) (laughs) A block party for Adam Wainwright. It was a block party. I've I've had a lot of time doing this, right? And and, and I've only responded to – I'll respond maybe like once a year to people like that, you know, because I know the vast, vast, vast majority of Cardinal Nation is amazing and rooting for me and whatever. But I know sometimes, you know, these guys – they talk tough and then you respond to them. Sometimes I'll send a direct message to somebody and be like, did you really mean that? And they'll be like, Oh man, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were going to do that. <laughs> and, and so, and so I just, you know, I just, every now and then you just got to go, you know, to Twitter trolls, you just got to say like, listen, dude, you know, sometimes we pay attention to what y'all are saying, you know, and we're all people and we're trying to get better. And, and but I know, listen, I know so much of this stems off of frustrations from our team right now. I, I know that. But I also know, you know, you still got to be, you still got to be good people. Um, and, and, uh, and, and sometimes, you know what, and Hey, look, I'm 41 years old. I don't have the, the, the gas that I used to have. And I never, I, but, but people under, got to understand. I, I never pitched at 97. Like they think I did. I never pitched at 95. My prime years, I sat 92 and you, if you don't believe me, check it. I've never in my career as a starter that higher than 92. It's just a fact. In 2021, when I had a great year, finished seventh in the Cy Young, I sat like 89, 90. Okay. I can pitch, man. I'm a pitcher. I'm a pitch maker. And so I don't need 95 to 98. Trust me. Hey, listen, I'd love to have it. (laughs) I just never have had it. You know what I mean? I've always had to be a pitcher. So I don't understand why people just think I'm why I can't do it anymore. It's just, uh, you know, last night the, it gets reported. I'm, you know, I'm four and a third, seven hits, you know, three runs. I came out of the game up three, two, one of the runs scored because of a drop pop up in left field. I mean, you know, really I gave up one run in my mind. I gave up one run, couple of hits. I gave up bad location couple hits I gave up. I know our defense, the big leagues makes it, you know, I mean, it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, uh, I just have to, I have to, that's why I went on the block party after, after the, <laughs> after my response, I, I responded to let people know that I was still motivated to be great. I want our, our Cardinal fans to know that I'm still doing the things to be motivated to be great. But I also know that as an athlete and as a, as a person, I can't be listening to that all the time. So the ones that are going to act like that, get them out of there, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, Wayno, can you tell us the story? 2016, you're listening to a serious XM fantasy show, and the experts take you in the seventh round, and you use that as a chip, and you actually called into them, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of that, part of that was uh, the guy on the show was Michael Fabiano, and Michael's a great friend of mine. Um, and so. Uh, he goes, hey, dude, you got to call in right now. Or I would have never done it without <laughs> Michael. But but I was I was coming off Achilles surgery, um, and uh, and Achilles happened. You know, Achilles and Tommy John happened in the prime of my career. You know, I I win nineteen, I win twenty, I have Tommy John. I win 
2012, coming back, I still pitched 200 innings after Tommy John. But the next year, I won 19 or 20, and then I won 19. You know, in top three in the Cy Young all four of those years. And, uh, and then I have Achilles after I started like three and one with a one. You know, this, I had 40. I had, not that I remember exactly, but I had 34 pitches through four innings when I, my Achilles blew. You know, like I was just <laughs> feeling it, man. You know what I'm saying? I was feeling it. And uh, and people took me in the seventh round, which you know um, caught me off guard because I was, you know, in my mind, I was still in the prime of my career. Achilles ended up being tough to come back from, though. So maybe they were right with the seventh round thing. Adam, you talked about the mentality that you have uh, using motivation to to allow you to be successful. When you're a team and you're not having the success, that mentality can kind of snowball into a, a a bad way. How do you prevent this team from going in that manner? And, and what does it take to get them going in the right way? Well, <clears throat> listen, I think we've we've seen the worst of what this team can do. I mean, I just don't know. And I'm knocking on wood here, but I just don't know that we can play worse than we have. You know what I mean? Like we're too good to have played like we have. So, uh, and I posted this um, before a couple games ago the other day too. When you are in the depths of a slump, and I know you know this, but when you're in the depths of a slump and you can't play any worse, <laughs> it's fixing to get. It's fixing to get good. It is. You know, and that's just the truth of sports, man. You know, that's just the truth of, of being an athlete. You have these 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 ebbs and flows. You have these tops and bottoms, these peaks and valleys. And the ones who win are the ones that 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 have the fewest valleys. You know, that stay the the most grounded, that stay the levelest throughout the season. Those are the ones that that end up getting to the postseason and winning. The key, I mean, the key is, you know, if you're going to have these. If you're going to have a, a stretch like we've had where we're just, you know, what are we, 9-15 and 15 or 8-15 and 15 or something like that? What is our record? 9-15. and 9-15. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense, right? If you're in that, then you got to have a blazer to come out of it, you know? And I always say this as a, as a pitcher and as an athlete, and I tell young guys, because I used to be this way when they say, man, I just need to get hot. I said, you don't need to get hot. You just need to realize you're good. You know what I mean? You just need to realize you're good. You're not hot. You're good, right? As teams, though, that's it's a little different. The team that wins the World Series every year is the team that gets hot together and plays plays together as a unit the best right at the end. That's just the way it is. Uh, and so our guys just to realize they're good. Let's go on a roll, man. Because if you're going to have a stretch like we've had, you need to have a big-time, big-time winning streak to come out of it. In 2006, we, I think we had three or four games, uh, eight-game losing streaks. Hmm. Um, and, and we had some streaks to come out of it. So we just need to have that streak to come out of it. In 2011, when we won, we went into September ten and a half games back. We won because we were like 22-6 and six to finish the season off. We need something like that to come out of this, and then we can roll. And that's just the, that's just the honest, hard, cold, hard facts of it. We've got to play hot. we got to play good. we got to play good as a unit. we got to get this thing going in the right direction and stay there for a while because we're, what, seven games back? I don't know if we might be eight games back now. Um, but that's too far. That's this, that's too much for this team, especially in April. It doesn't make sense. So our team, our team, our team knows that. 
you know, it's like everyone's on the brink, like waiting for, for this like great stretch to happen. And uh, we just got to go out and make that happen, not wait for it. Hey, Adam, uh, I got one more thing for you. I want to know what you think of Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. He spent essentially as much time in Green Bay as you have spent in St. Louis. Kind of a two-parter here. What do you think of that move? And when you see things like that happen, how proud are you of the fact that you're going to spend your entire career as a St. Louis Cardinal? Yeah, all right. So a couple of, a couple of different emotions. I love Aaron Rodgers. I think I think he is such a talent. You know, we've been blessed to watch him play football for so long. Um, he's one of the – he might be the best thrower of the football in the history of the game. I mean, he can make throws that just no one else can. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, I was at Lambeau in 2017 or 18, maybe. I can't remember which year it was. Um but I remember this because it was the first round of the fantasy playoffs too, and I was playing Lance Lynn, and I had uh, I had um, oh who else did I have? I had somebody playing uh, J- Jameis Winston. I had on the bench, and and I had him because they were playing New Orleans in a dome at the very end of the season, where you think it's going to be uh, yeah you think it's going to be forty eight forty seven you know, and I had Aaron Rodgers on my team all year. And I was at Lambeau, and I went, you know what? I can't put in Jameis Winston right now. I'm with, I'm here. I'm watching my guy. He's, he, he was, you know, after Peyton Manning, Aaron was my favorite guy to watch play football. He is my favorite guy to play watch football. Um, because just, of the, like I said, the throws that he can make. I said, he's my, he's my dude. I got to put him in. The first play of the game, he has a 78-yard touchdown pass to, to – to uh, to Adams down the right sideline, and it was 22 degrees with like a foot of snow on the ground. And this guy, he doesn't give a hoot, man. He just dropped back and threw it 65 yards in the air for a 78-yard touchdown pass. All right, so I love watching him play. And and to the second part of that is like when John Smoltz joined our team in 2009. It was weird for me. This guy was one of my top three favorite favorite athletes growing up. And he went to Boston, and I was kind of devastated because, you know, even though I'm a Cardinal and I wanted to see him, you know, come to play with us, he should have been a Brave. Like, what? It, it just it, it didn't make sense to me that he wasn't a Brave anymore, you know. And so um, I'm a little sad that he's not going to be a Packer because uh, the Lambeau Field is just an amazing experience. It'll change your life going there and watching a game and tailgating and being with those incredible fans and that incredible venue with all that history. Um, and so, I, you know, going back to Lambeau and Aaron Rodgers is not there. I, it's just not going to be exactly the same to me. And, and watching him play as a Jet, you know, even more than watching Brett Favre as a Jet, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is just – he's a Packer, you know. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm still – you know, if he's there in mid-rounds, I'm still going to take him. You <laughs> me <know>? too. But, <laughs> But I'm still going to root for the Packers, and I'm still going to, and I'm still going to root for Aaron because he's such a stud. And then the the second part of that, the fact that you are going to spend your entire career with one franchise. Oh gosh, man! I will tell you what, that a couple of things away from from my performances, I'll look back and be able to tell my kids that that's the most proud thing I could ever do. One. I got to play catch with Yadier Molina every day, every fifth day for a really long time. That's something I'll be able to tell my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, hopefully. Um, 
I'll be really I'm I'll be really proud of that until the day I die. <clears throat> the second thing is I'll get to tell all those people that I was a St. Louis Cardinal from the beginning to the end. I, I just can't imagine a better situation as for a player, but especially for me as to play in Cardinal Nation for this long, playing this incredible fan base with this incredible team with a chance to win every single year, including this year, Randy. <laughs> um, uh, I, I just get it just. It's just a remarkable, remarkable blessing. And every time a free agent comes in, they go, dude, you've been with the same team the whole time? Like, what in the world? It doesn't even make sense to so many people who just travel around for a career. So I know that it's, it's incredibly unique. I know it's an incredible blessing for me. Um, and and I am just I'm just feel honored and blessed beyond belief to have shared this uh, many moments and, and years with Cardinal Nation. And you'll get to spend some time with those fans on June 11th over at Top Golf Chesterfield. It's the Big League Impact Swing for Impact, and it was a great event last year. Looking forward to it this year, and people can go to bigleagueimpact.org. And uh, are, we, we have to set it up so that people can, and I'll take my shot. Heck, I, I, I couldn't beat you last year, but I'll take my shot at, at beating you in a drive this year. I'll I'll try. <laughs> Yeah, everybody thinks they can until they get up there and see what happens. Um, you know, uh, it'll be me and, and Paul Goldschmidt and Drew Verhagen and Tommy Edmond and Steven Matt. So I'll be there at Top Golf and, and uh, hanging out in individual bays. And, and I'll tell you, tickets are going fast. There is a few left, um, but there's not many left. So uh, if you want to sign up, please go to bigleyimpact.org slash topgolfstl and, uh, and sign up today. But um if you register by next Thursday, you'll be entered to win a couple autographed uh, items by me, too. So uh, hopefully that's a draw. Hopefully um, we sell that thing out and, and raise a lot of good money for for um, each individual bay there is going to be raising money for a different charity. So hopefully we uh, we raise a lot of good money for people in need and, and uh, have a great time. I know we're going to have a great time hanging out together. Wayno, love having you on. Thanks so much. Hope to see you back on the mound here in St. Louis sooner rather than later, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Hey, Randy, don't be sending me any trolls now. Don't don't be sending me any troll messages. I'll block you, too. Wayno, I have, like, five burner accounts. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Brother, take care. That's my, our buddy Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. We'll uh, wrap things up in just a moment. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hey, we've got a fantastic balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax, BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, and then the fast lane from 2 to 6. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? I did. You're going to have a block party today? I, I, Luckily, I double-checked, even though I haven't said anything negative about Adam Wainwright, and I never would, I double-checked. I am still allowed to follow Wayno and like his tweets. So that's a huge success. I think we should all check, right? Absolutely. CD? I pulled bears. Still. <laughs> and we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great hump day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.